Ciro3D.com features a wide variety of innovative products for the Harley touring market, as well as other types. Hey Liza, that's us. We're the other types. I'm checking out this site right now. They have a well-rounded product line, from chrome to lighting and comfort. Hell yeah they do, they got a lot of chrome. And a bunch of LED lighting accessories. You know what that means, right? Less stress on your stator. Zero3D.com takes a clean slate approach to design and manufacturing. Yeah, I'm checking out the Cypher Air Cleaner. It's pretty minimalist, but it still has exotic styling. Distributed in the United States by Drag Specialties, in Europe, Parts Europe and Zodiac, and in Asia by Twin Art. Passion for design and innovation. Always something new to see at Ciro3D.com. Yo, Liza, why are you talking like that? Because the ladies love it. <laughs> I like it. Welcome to Motorcycles <laughs> Here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Wow. We had such a busy day today. There was so much going on. And it somehow, when, when there's lunacy out in the garage, it carries over to Inside the Garage for the podcast. So um, let's get to who is here tonight. Running the board, we've got a bagel. Hello. Is it possible that <laughs> pull a muscle in your forearm? <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, thought, gosh. I thought you were going to say something else. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I did today. He might after that. <laughs> I, I suppose if you pull that muscle, pull in a muscle, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Life life of the scooters. And uh, over in the peanut gallery, sitting next to Miss Emma with a look like, how did I get here? We have Orlando. I am Orlando. I don't like gravel road. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you, buddy. Uh And uh, baby in the corner, we've got Miss Emma. Hello, darling. Now, I've got something for you, which I think you're going to enjoy very much. So, salt and pepper's here, and we're in effect. Want you to push it, babe. Cooling by day, and then at night, working up a sweat. Come on, girls, let's share the guys that we know how to pull, become number one in the hot party show. Now push it. <laughs> push, push it real good. Real good. <laughs> right out. Push it real good. Did you enjoy that? No, no. Spend it. It's, it's very Thank authentic, very isn't it? No, it's very I authentic. Never knew the and of course, <laughs> this is your host. This is Liza. And <coughs> sitting next to me is a very fine specimen of a man. We've got Brock. <laughs> <laughs> I, I nice threw you off that one. Who's she talking about? He's so humble, he looks <laughs> off to his side. Like, like, say hi again. She talking about? Hi, it's nice to be here. Okay. With your little Ginny accent. He lost the accent that time. i got to say, he's got the greenest shirt I think I've ever seen. I know. 
Sitting next to that, wearing his reggae hat. Oh, no, that's my that muff. Is. That's yeah. my... my <laughs> that's my... <laughs> his muff. Actually, it's Bailey's muff. It's We've Bailey's got one Naked Jim. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I was going to do this for... Uh, Not ready. Emma, but I fucked yeah, it up. There we go. we got Later. Naked Jim. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me see. <laughs> Who's you. your mama's got a wooden leg? Thank you. you I went to your house. Nope. <laughs> Sitting on the pretty girl couch tonight, we've got newcomer Tony. Hey, thank you guys for having me here. Thanks for being here. And, uh, oh, you guys are going to love who's coming up next. Sitting once again on the pretty girl couch, not as a guest, but now as a misfit. We've got Jocelyn. Hey, you guys. They made me do it. It's kind of like <laughs> Hotel California around here. Once you come, <laughs> you can never, never leave. Anyway, I'm glad to be back. That is true. When you first got here, you're like, no, I'm not staying. Yeah, I'm not no, staying. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope. Uh, looking dashing in his yellow vest, we've got Isaac. Yeah, I forgot to take it off, so I had to be not a dick on 17. <laughs> All right, coming up around the bend, we've got Henry. Yeah, Henry, you need to work on this. Oh, You're not as cool as cool kids. <laughs> Just <laughs> training. Oh, uh. Hey, what's up? There we go. And, I'm with uh, you. I'm with you. Yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs> what, don't look at me. I thought that was awesome. Bro. That was fucking brilliant. <laughs> It Could was that be our new theme the music? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, bringing up the rear, we've got Bex. It's a hermetic seal rear. <laughs> what? what? Hmm? Is that Latin? <laughs> what is it? A hermetic seal rear? Oh, yeah. Herma- hermaphrodite? Hermetic. Wait, what was it? Hermetic- <laughs> hermetically sealed? Hermetically sealed rear. Oh. Hermetically. Oh. hermetically sealed rear. I still don't get it. So, um, important. That sounds like a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's get to what we did today real quick. Um, hey, I finally gave some love to my poor little DRZ400. I was so impressed. Oil change. And chain and sprockets. Nothing says love like a chain and sprocket. Uh, I was telling Jim, uh, you know, if you have a wife or girlfriend that gives you really good head, then you want to give her something nice like jewelry every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So that DRZ, it does it for me. So I gave it oh. some nice jewelry in the oh, form of a chain. Mm-hmm. It was all ghetto chain, too. Wasn't it like yellow oh, like yeah. side plates or oh, something? Yeah. <laughs> it looks good. It does look good. Congratulations. That's more maintenance than I've seen you do, I think, all year. And then... Uh, <laughs> I will say I'm quite impressed. We had someone come in today who wanted to do a job I did not think would get done. Um... Emma, what was Ryan writing today? Ryan was riding a CBR600RRRR, mm-hmm. the pirate bike. So, you know when you see uh, a bike that's got suspicious paint job and maybe like little cracks or maybe like little repairs oh, it, it, it here and there? Pound duct and the, tape. The signs of a bike that probably hasn't been well maintained, we'll say. And uh, he wanted to come in and do fork uh, fork seals. Right. Of which, mm. when you know, Charlie brought up the good point, well, did you bring some fork oil? He goes, what? No one told me I needed fork oil. Nope. Okay. Probably <laughs> the one. Sit down and take How a dare And uh, even though I, Emma says, you don't need to, and I knew you didn't, but it's kind of the wax the car, paint the fence kind of thing. I said, well, while you're waiting for Emma, why don't you take your fairing off? He said, well... 
how do you do that? Well, there's a lot of screws on there. Start taking them off. And uh, he goes, well, what size wrench? I'm like, okay. You're going to mm-hmm. have to go find tools. Like, this is how this co-op garage thing works. We don't do it for you. So dig in. And I said, uh, you know, even on a good day when it's, like, in the summer when we have longer days, I tell people to come early because you never know what bolts are going to snap or what right. you're going to run into. And I don't even know if he ever did get the fairing fully off because he started running no, into no, some bolts we that were stripping out, uh, of course. Mm. One of those things. So I would suspect that the job would get done just because he's new. And it takes a long time when you're trying to teach somebody as you go. And they come in with a bike with little to no maintenance on it. Um, but Emma jumped in. And you got that thing torn apart and rebuilt, didn't you? I didn't. I've been bad in the past. And I have been berated I'm not going to yell at you. It's no, okay. but I have been berated for working on people's bikes. And I was absolutely mm-hmm. determined that Ryan laid his hands on his own bike. <clears throat> so, but I kind of jogged him along. Now, that said, I actually rebuilt the forks. <laughs> but <laughs> he, he took them out. He put them back in. And frankly, for somebody who really has no mechanical ability, he did a fine job. That's good. You know, that's well, the beauty of the journey. garage is it, it steepens your learning curve in a way that, like, you know, he goes from not knowing how to take his fairing off right. to at least going through the process of taking forks off and watching the seals being done and, you know, we, in a day. But And we've talked <clears> about this before. There's, there's a pride in fixing your own bike and laying your, your hands on your own bike Mm -hmm. because if the bike comes in it's handling like a three-legged horse and it leaves and it feels tight and smooth and nice and you did it or at least you did part of it there's that pride that goes with that and he he was all pumped up he was really stoked he says uh, he took it around the block oh this thing runs great so there you go yeah so that was a a happy customer but um those are the type of things when somebody comes in for a big job here it's like i want to see you be able to just take your fairing off but you guys do you know the look of that the person who's still a new mechanic and you tell them to do something like take the tank off or take the fairing off and they get that look like what Deer like, but why? Do, do I have to? Like, deer in the headlight. Deer in the headlight. Like, uh, but how? Uh, y- you just gotta dig in, Tony. You know all about that, right? You mm. gotta just dig in. Yep. I used to be that type of mechanic who is like, uh, I don't want to take the tank off, and you'd be working with like flashlights, mirrors, and long pliers to try and work on something rather than just take more things off. It just is so much easier in the long run. But yeah, congratulations, you got it done, and yeah, he's I was riding. Su- I was surprised. Cool. Yeah, I, I frankly I was surprised as well. But you know, you get to us you in the evolution of a project. You're like, oh god, this is never going to get done. This is never going to get done. And then there's a turning point. And right around four o'clock, I thought, yeah, we're going to nail this. Um, but that bike has been crunched pretty heavily. Um, yeah, it's 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 been pounded. It's had a tough life. But you know, the CBR is an interesting bike. It was one of the last sport bikes to hang on to conventional forks. You think like a 2005 CBR 600, it's going to have upside down forks, right? Wrong. They're just conventional forks. They're pretty big. I think they're 43s or 45s, but they're just normal forks. Hmm. They never went to the upside nice. down ones till 2008, I think. So, um, we had a conversation uh, a week ago, or was that last week, about 
what does it take to be the best writer in the world? Now, this is a hard question, and Jocelyn, Jim, a bunch of us, we're all in on that. Um, and what got my mind spinning about what, what does it take to be the best writer in the world? You know, comparing, <clears throat> you know, Dakar Rally versus MotoGP versus a stunt writer. What got me going was the week before, Jim and I went to go see Dust to Glory. Two. Dust two. I held up my fingers. You can't see it. <laughs> it's just two glory. Um, it's the new Dana Brown movie. For those who aren't familiar, uh, I, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you have to be familiar with Bruce Brown and Dana Brown, right? Um, Dana Brown, the son of Bruce Brown. Um, Dust Glory one was ten years ago. Um, Every cool motorcycle movie, I swear that those one of those two made right, and uh, this was so we went to go see Dust of Glory. It was one night only in the theater. Sold out, right? Like multiple theaters. Too. Oh yeah, um, uh, Tony, you were there, right? Yeah, downtown. Actually, uh, three, like theaters. three theaters. Hmm. Wow, I know. Yeah, and. And I know it was playing across the country, <clears throat> and so we're like, yeah, let's, let's go check this out. It'll just be cool. Yeah, there's trucks, and there's cars, and there's mm. motorcycles. Yeah. And we're watching, and suddenly they're like uh, showing this, this racer who's preparing um, for the season. This was 2016. And they're like, we're going to go to Santa Cruz, California, and check out this racer who's building his bike. And Tony, and... and Jim and I look at each other like, what? Like, what? Who? Santa what? Cruz? What? <laughs> what? Right? No way, right? It's like the, yeah. the the interview gods just keep giving to us, right? And we're watching the film, and um, this guy, he's entered in the Iron Man, uh, the Iron Man competition. For, yeah. So Baha 1000 is grueling, and then you get these... Dingbats who are going to think they can do it by themselves. One guy on one bike for the whole ride. What the heck? And this guy from Santa Cruz does it. Yeah. And yeah, not only is he from Santa Cruz, but he's doing the Iron Man thing. You're like, no shit. And the Iron Man thing. And he fucking won. Right? That's awesome. Fucking won. Yeah. And we're like in the theater going, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I'm like, give me my notepad. I'm like, oh, he lives up in Lumpico or somewhere. Another guy from Aromas, but no. No. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I sent him a message on Facebook and he replied the next morning. Turns out he lives two blocks away. <laughs> <laughs> two blocks away. He's just been able to avoid us up until this point. <laughs> and I'm like, well, dude, you got to come in, please, because we want to hear the story. So we have with us Tony Guerra. <laughs> yeah. Who is definitely, like, I told you that Orlando's got to look like, how did he get here? Tony's just kind of sitting back like, what? <laughs> um, half amused and half which way is the door <laughs> right so um thank you very much for coming in and god congratulations so you've got a career in writing i want to cover everything but especially the baja 1000 and watching that movie and knowing what it takes to win in the iron man class again that's what got me thinking is this the guy the best writer in the world <laughs> i know i know tony's looking at me like uh don't put that on me <laughs> yeah. but no seriously if you take it's it's a race it's endurance it's skill and this is a guy who is his own mechanic which plays big big which plays big um and the conditions that you're riding in 
Uh, Tony, I nominate you <laughs> as one of the potential best writers in the world in the ongoing debate of what it takes. I will say, though, when we came out of the movie, Liza was jazzed on this. She's like, hmm, who do you think's the best writer in the world? Who's the best? So you totally inspired this conversation. And I will say, after watching that event and, and just knowing the history of it, um, yeah, to do that by yourself, it's pretty amazing. It really is. So then I invited... Uh, Jocelyn, who brought in her ringer friends here. <laughs> who, who, Jocelyn did it surfing on the seat. <laughs> One hand on the throttle. Brock, who also did the GS uh, trials. Uh, what do you call it? It's not the audition. Brock did the one where you carry your motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know. And I figured, you know, anyone who can do GS trials, these are people who, who have a good idea of what it takes to ride at the level that Tony's riding. So that's why I wanted you guys to be in here to ask the smart questions. <gasps> Which reminds me, I forgot to prepare Tony for the question. Uh -oh. Oh, we didn't no, tell him. We didn't tell He's going to be kind of on the spot. Oh, <laughs> when we come to the question, I'll prepare you, Tony. Don't oh, worry. Oh, it don't matter. So um, let's start with how long have you been riding? Uh, 22 years old, so I've been riding for 19 years. Did you catch it, wow. Jocelyn? He's 22. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> He's a baby. 19 years. And let's just cover, this has been a really big uh, year for you. You're featured in that movie. And then yeah. this week? Yeah, this week I had a little baby boy. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Jr. So congratulations, congratulations. man. You must be just... Having a really good year. So yeah, definitely. Good Christmas, I hope. Yeah. So, all right. So you started riding when you were young. So you grew up here. You're from Santa Cruz. Yeah, actually, uh, I moved, well, from where I was brought home from the hospital, I've only moved four houses away. Wow. <laughs> wow. So. I like to stay cool. close, just in case. <laughs> wow. So are you started out, what did you start out riding on? Um, started out on a JR50. Uh, so was your dad a dirt rider? Um, actually, he's ridden dirt bikes, and but he was mostly Harleys. Did a lot of Harley drag bike stuff, but nice. it was anything with two wheels. So <laughs> nice. So he's the one who got you mm -hmm. riding. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and it stuck, huh? Yeah. Were you one of those crazy kids doing like jumps and shit like that before you could like ride a real bicycle? Yeah, yeah, I could, <laughs> yeah. I could ride a bicycle before I could walk. So oh, it's always kind of been anything with two wheels. He's one of those kids we see in Hollister. Like, oh, I, I could have done that when I was six. <laughs> not the ones that are keep swerving in front of us. <laughs> as long as they're not on the a ones quad, that pass you and me. you go, "Damn you, kid!" Oh, I know. Yeah, two feet off the ground, you little. Fucker. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, so, were you riding dirt bikes your whole life? Uh, yeah, actually, I started out. You know, we kind of went quick. I was off of. I was on a racing district 36 on rm85 when i was cool. i think about 10 years old and then uh that only made it about two years and then that was when i got on my first full-size bike started racing 250s at about 12 13 <laughs> two stroke wait, uh, we Jocelyn, wait two stroke how would you have you two not cross paths um, yeah, I think we've run into each other a couple of times, yeah. um, working at the motorcycle shops in Santa yeah. Cruz and stuff, but, uh, no, no, I think he was f faster than me, <laughs> 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 riding bigger bikes and stuff. <laughs> so, when you were a kid, were you doing pretty good? Were you uh, yeah. getting championships? Uh, yeah, actually, we won the District 36 championship uh, probably five, six times, um, we won. We went back east and raced GNCCs. 
won. We didn't actually make it through a whole season, so we didn't win that championship, but we won. I think we showed up to eight races, and we won seven out of the eight. Nice. You know, I thought it was, and when you say we, and I know we talked a little bit about this, but your family is your support team, right? Yes, my family. Yeah, my family has been the biggest thing. Um, I have yet, I have yet to be to a race without my father. My mom, she's missed one or two. My little brother's 13 years younger than me, so there was a little bit where there was a newborn, so she kind of missed out on a couple of them. But uh, you let that uh, slide though. Yeah, (laughs) just for a couple of days. I'm definitely not going to let my kid miss out on any. He's going to Mexico in four months. He's going to see all your <laughs> He's going to be four months and three days old. Yep. <laughs> Put him on a PW50. Spanish is going to be his first language. <laughs> That's it. Spanish, right? Didn't they come out nice. with a new monkey bike? They're just coming out with one of those. So. That's cool, though, but it has support from your family like that? Because yeah. that's not easy to do all that kind of stuff. Actually, by the time he's ready, I think we're going to have a nice hand-me-down choppered strider. Uh, yeah. True. <laughs> true, yeah. Yeah, we have one here. So, um, racing all throughout. Yeah. So, okay. How does somebody from Santa Cruz get into desert racing? Let's just get to that. You get bored of everything else. (laughs) So where's your usual jam? Are you going to Hollister or Metcalf or Carnegie or where do you usually Honestly, I won last year's score, or actually I got second place in the whole series because uh, missing DNF one race and then missed another. Um, But normally... I ride the whole score series. There's four to five races a year, Mm -hmm. and that most likely means I will ride four to five times. I have yet to ride since. I have not touched the races. I have not (laughs) ridden. I have not ridden a dirt bike in over six months. Really? Wow. Okay. That sounds boring. (laughs) What? We uh, we actually we didn't race. I didn't ride at all. We showed up. And I rode for one day before the Baja 1000 after not riding for four months. Man. What? Is that what? the key? That's the key? Yeah. <laughs> so been doing it all wrong. Yeah. What, are, what are you doing then? <laughs> Making babies. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's the key. <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. It's easier just not right. to ride. Wow. Okay, so, but when you were younger, were you going to like Hollister? Um, actually, when I was younger, my mom worked for the state of California, mm-hmm. so we lived at state housing on uh, Carnegie's Park for about two okay. years. Whoa. So for about two years, I rode every single day. That'll do it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, there's the dream. Yeah, okay. It's coming together <laughs> nice. now. And Pismo, you ride out Pismo in the sand out there? Uh, yeah, we go to Pismo every now and yeah. then. Okay, so, all right, you were talking about score, so let's talk about what is score? Uh, score is... Well, Southern Cali- Southern mm-hmm. Southern California off road racers enterprises enthusiasts enthusiasts or enterprises you can never tell. Okay, <laughs> I just thought it was a cool fucking name. I'm like, that's a great name for an organization. Uh, basically, it's probably the biggest biggest group of racers that would go anywhere. Really, I mean, I've done best in the desert, which is it's basically all the desert you can ride in. California. You got District 37. I've raced that. That's all the big desert in Southern California, but still in America. All score races are outside of U.S. They're all in Mexico. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally you only hear about the score Baja 1000. There's actually the San Felipe 250, the Baja 500. Um, 
normally they're going to have one. They have either the Tijuana Challenge or the Rosarito Beach Challenge and also the Baja 1000. So can anybody enter these or do you have to qualify? Anyone can enter them. Okay. And we know, there, so there's the Baja 1000, uh, Baja 500, right? Yes. And the San Felipe, how long is that? San Felipe 250 is 250 miles. All right. So 250. And what was the first one that you entered? Uh, first one of the years is the San Felipe 250. How'd you do on that one the first time? So we're talking, what, like 2014? 2014, first time. Uh, that was actually my first time even to Mexico. I got my passport a week before that. You were, what, oh, wow. like ni- uh, 19 or something? Yeah, I should have been. <laughs> yeah, actually, in there, I was 19 years old. My birthday was the week before. Nice. Um, wow. So we went down, pre-ran, and it was actually the first time on the Honda 450. We made it. I made it. I was cruising, but pre-ran, and I did 120 miles on a tank of gas. And then race day came, and thought, okay, well, we can at least do 100 miles on race day. I made it 65 miles on a tank of gas. (laughs) So our pit strategy was a little different, so I ran out of gas. Some guys gave me gas about a half hour later. Uh, The first race was terrible. I think I got third or fourth out of... There wasn't that many. There was only like six people. Um... But we had some major setbacks, and then uh, well, you, got a, the you got a learning curve. You're, yeah, definitely. You yeah, get, get yeah. That was down. the first time Baja taught me a lesson. Mm-hmm. And what was the next lesson Baja taught you? Don't ride a KTM. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, what was the next race after San Felipe? Uh, the, the next race was the Baja 500. We just 500. cut in real quick. Those sirens are in the background. You're not getting pulled yes. over. Your house is not on fire. No, I usually <laughs> panic because I listen to this while riding. Yeah. All right, so the Baja Santa Cruz climate. Baja 500 was next. Yes. And how'd you do on that? Uh, that one went good. We actually uh, we won that one. Um, that one. That one was actually a good year. We won that, um, or a good race. We won that one. Went from Ensenada, was just a loop back to Ensenada again. Um, and it is, how long does it take to complete the 500? The 500 is about 11 hours, 11 to 12 hours. Okay, that gives our listeners an idea of what the 1,000 takes to complete. Yeah, man. 11 hours flat out in a challenging terrain. Yep, you stop for every. My bike only goes 60 miles on a tank, so I stop every 60 miles for about four and a half to five seconds for fuel. Wow. wow. Well, and, and talk also, I mean, you, you think about, like, the riding down on the peninsula, and you think it's sandy and deserty, but it's, like, completely varied, right? Yes. From uh, rocky to deep sand. Yeah, to very salt. rocky, deep sand. Um, honestly, if I could pick to go down and do a race, I would go down and do either the Baja 500 or the Baja 1000. I would not want to do the San Felipe. You know, you have to hit every race of the year, mm-hmm. and San Felipe is the first one, and San Felipe is the worst race you will ever do. It is 200 miles of pure sand whoops. Oh, oh, Sounds like that L.A. Barstow to Vegas that we did. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Brock, you were on the ride with her? The L.A. Were you the one that went over the like handlebars or something in the sand? No. 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 <laughs> he was picking Somebody people was, up, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how does that make you feel hearing all, all those miles of sand on that does that sound fun to you no, <laughs> Me no. Neither. sand's horrible <laughs> i'm with you i but, am with you unless you're jostling and just skip across I, the stop I, I, the yeah top. i'm curious because to your what left 
you have like an international race. Are there any races that maybe you're aware of internationally that you would prefer to compete in? Yes. Um, actually, I've qualified before, but due to funding, never made it. I've qualified for the Dakar Rally. and uh, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I really wanted to go, um, but not all the funding was there. Uh, actually, I've qualified for it twice. But Damn. Wow. What does it cost to do something like that when you say the funding? Like, if people oh, yeah. were to sponsor you, um, what, uh, what does it take? So, what it is, is I won the Dakar Challenge through SCORE, and you won the Baja... If you won the Baja 1000, you talked to the uh, Dakar officials, they went back, they did physical tests, they did all this stuff that I passed. Um, they want you to be able to work on your own bike. You can't, if you don't know nothing about your own bike, then you're not going. Um, so we passed all the tests. So SCORE paid $40,000 for my entry fee. Wow. Um, Dang. I needed to come up with around another $40,000 to rent a bike. And <laughs> Whoa. Don't get to take that bike back home. Yes. <laughs> you uh, just don't Craigslist one. Just go. Over yeah, the bike. no, you don't just Craigslist that. Uh, we actually we looked. What was going to happen was we were going to buy a new bike here. We were going to set it all up with all the Dakar stuff. We were going to strip it down, put it into a bunch of carry-on bags, and fly me. Could you step aside it. in security, please? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to swab you. <laughs> but uh, do yet again to funding. Even just for the parts for a bike, you're still looking at around twelve to thirteen thousand dollars just for a fairing on a bike. And by the time you're all done with flight and everything else, because the way that it was scheduled was, I would have had just enough time to come home from winning the Baja 500, get a bike ready, and if I needed to ship it over, it would have gotten there about a week before on the best schedule I could have done. Yeah. My only advice to you is don't marry for love. Marry for money. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, I already messed up for that one. <laughs> so, alright, so the 500 you won, what came next? Uh, next came, actually in 2014, we actually scored one race in the United States and that was the, uh, what was that one? It was in Southern California. Um, it was actually just right across the border, about five miles away from the border. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just super windy. It was all it was they the challenge race. They normally do pretty short. They do like a two lap race. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. It's almost they kind of bring in some of the the short course stuff for the trophy trucks, and they have to include bikes, so they put us on it. So I mean, we're getting near. I mean, is this considered super enduro at this point? Uh, I don't know. I, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it. I, I just call it riding. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like the crossover to the hard enduro kind of stuff. Hard enduro. Hard enduro is yeah. more trialsy, though. I mean, yeah. I yeah. Hard yeah. enduro is more like the enduro Durisberg on the yeah, Exactly. Oh, more yeah. trialsy, yeah. crazy is, rocks and logs and bike. shit. Yeah, hauling yeah. ass through. You don't yeah. even know what's around the next Yeah, corner. I would yeah. consider enduro like a little slower pace. Um I mean, average speeds. Average speeds range sixty to sixty-five miles an hour. Yeah, um, and that's our average over a five hundred mile or a thousand course. Top speeds are about one hundred and twenty to wow. yeah. like one fifteen to one hundred and twenty on a. Okay. In- wow. Yeah, you could describe it as like desert racing, I guess. Yeah. Like yeah. Type of riding. And, and how did you do at that race? Um, that one was good, actually. We uh, we won that one. Um, we were. 
since it was such a short race, um, it was really easy for me to go. I love how you say we each time. Yeah, I, was, mm. I always include my family. family. Yeah. I, know, I know, I love He's that. Team yeah, there's no I in what we're doing. Yeah. I may race by myself in the Ironman class, but there's definitely no solo part about it besides <coughs> sitting on the motorcycle. Nice. And then the big one, the Baja 1000. Yep, the Baja 1000 came. Uh, so were you like psyched out for this at all? Because this is like the big daddy, right? Yeah, it is the big one. Um, but no, I'm not. <coughs> don't really get too psyched out about it. I mean, how many months do you have to not ride before that event? Uh, no, I think we skip about four months. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Baja 1000. Yep. You were doing well. You were in the lead. Yeah, actually, I was in the lead by 200 miles. 200 wow. miles. Oh. That's, that's a good lead. I mean, yeah. you're not Huge really looking lead. over your shoulder yeah. to see if he's yeah. breathing so out of the neck. 200 miles in se- I was 200 miles ahead in 700 miles of total race course. Wow. Yeah. And this is in Ironman class, which yep. we didn't establish. How many people are running in the Ironman class? Um, it varies. You normally, for the bigger races, you get a lot of people that want to come out and try it. Um, so you get maybe... 10 to 15 entries. Um, some of the smaller ones, like San Felipe, that people, you see about th- probably 20 to 25 entries come across, and then people go down and pre-run, and then you see about five people actually race it. Mm. Wow. All right, so you're in the lead. Yep. You're doing well. Uh, sort of well. We're slowing down. I have no lights, and it's nighttime. <laughs> but, you're, <laughs> but you're 200 miles but, ahead. Let's see, as I recall from all of my research, you found a nice local person who gave you a flashlight and duct tape? Yep, yep. Yes. We went through a lot of flashlights and a lot of duct tape. Yeah. Wow. So, but then you got some news. Yeah, actually, uh, crossing down... Halfway down the peninsula, um, I got news that my family crashed the chase rig that they were in. Um, it was a lifted sportmobile diesel van. And uh, they crashed, and they had my, at the time, I think he was either six or seven-year-old brother with them. So. So you turned around. Yep. I, actually, I didn't even have to turn around. Where the... Where the people told me that they crashed was actually on the highway. We were crossing the highway, and everybody blocked the road, so I didn't really know where to go because there was a wall of people. And everybody stopped me, and they told me that about 25, 30 miles down the highway, my parents' van was rolled over, mm-hmm. and the roof was flat. Oh, God. So you're in the lead. Oh, you got a couple man. hundred miles left to go to win the whole thing. And what did you do? Um, actually, I turned on the highway, and uh, we, or I, ran down the highway as fast as my bike would go for 25 to 30 miles. Yeah. At night, and uh, at that point, the uh, flashlight had died, so I was just riding. I would ride on the line yep. next to the highway. To That was about the best thing I could see. So you had no moonlight or anything like that, huh? Just full-on no, stars or... By no. the way, that's knock. He just arrived. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, actually, you know, I've raced quite a bit at night, ridden a lot at night. Hell, we ride around town all night. Um, but when you're down in Mexico, the moon looks like it's about five feet away, 
but mm. it offers no light. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. the darkest place I have ever been. Yeah. There is nothing there. It's, it's all, all the light's just absorbed. Yep. So, had you been told if your parents, if your family was okay? Um, one chase tr- crew told me about the van being rolled over. They said that there was nobody at the van. So, one, that kind of made it even worse, not knowing if there was right. anybody even there, because we are in the middle of Mexico. I mean, right. you never know. So, that, it was worse because I didn't know where anybody was at. So, did you find your family? Uh, actually, yeah. Going well over 100 miles an hour down the highway, I passed the tow truck that was off the side of the highway down in a ditch where the van was at. So, I stopped and with my expert Spanish um, <laughs> found out that they got taken by an ambulance to the local town Guerrero Negro. So now race is over for you, right? It's no question. Um, actually, at this point, it still was kind of a question. If I got yeah. to the town and everybody was in good shape, I was going to turn around back on the highway, head back out to the race course, and go to the finish. So you got to your family. How were they? Um, my little brother, he was pretty banged up but he was walking his neck was really sore uh, my dad definitely pretty cut up um but walking and then my mom was actually at the hospital that was the first one i found my mom was at the hospital she really didn't look good but the local hospital said that all that she had broken was two collarbones mm. <sighs> but they're okay now yeah they're okay now and uh actually don't ever trust most Mexican x-rays uh, <laughs> she they told her that you got two broken collarbones and by the time we got well and also I have to thank some people uh, Jim Owens Mike Campbell and Nick Owens they all came down and they were down racing with us and they're the ones that brought all of our family home all of our bikes home in one truck. There was seven of us, wow. three bikes, and clothes for everybody in a crew cab long bed truck. Wow. Awesome. And uh, by the time we got home, my mom went to the hospital and actually she broke four vertebrae in her neck, oh. two broken collarbones, uh, two broken ribs, and two broken vertebrae in her lower back. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. But she's gosh, okay. Yeah, she's bad. okay. She's had. Uh, she's on her second surgery now, and she's doing a lot better. Wow. So I'm guessing, though, by the lead that you had, you're probably feeling pretty good about your chances the next year? Yes, definitely. So before we get to that, though, I want to just do a little history about the Baja 1000. So, Jim, you did a little research. Can you give us a little, uh, just a little de- some details well, about not, the I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it started back in, like, 1967, and you guys jump in because, you know, you know a lot more about it than I. But, yeah, it started down in Mexico in 67 as uh, an endurance event. And, it's you know, it's changed hands a couple of times as far as people that organize it and run it. And now SCORE's been running it for the last little bit. Um, but that's it. It's, it's not actually 1,000 miles, right? Typically, it's a little more like 850. Um, actually, it depends. If you're doing a loop race, you get about last the year that I won it um, in 2016 that was 890 miles and then uh, this year at the 50th annual 
since it's not a loop race, it's a peninsula run, that was 1,250 miles. Oh. Whoa, 400 miles. That's crazy. Yeah. So, obviously, the route varies. Uh, but then you see everything under the sun running, right? I mean, the, I think the first the winner of the first year was like one of the old dune buggies. Yeah. Like you see in the old 70s <laughs> cartoons, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, but they run those. You see the, the Beatles, of course, are super popular. Um, all the, the desert rails and shit like that. Trophy I mean, the, trucks. The trophy trucks are really the highlight. I mean, after motorcycles, when you look at what they do with the trophy trucks, you know, 850 horsepower. <laughs> kind These of insane what they launch, do. dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, so wait, uh, did you cover your history? Are we done with the history? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is more exciting. So I wanted to ask just in general, Tony, how do you not get hit by like a trophy truck barreling down? <laughs> or are you going faster uh, well, than he them? Was doing oh, no. Well, you're, you're in front of them, right? Yeah. We start in front of them, yeah. but um, that they are... Honestly, it's so hard to keep in front of them. Um, they are, well, like you said, they're 850 to 1,000 horsepower of just, I mean, they can hit a four-foot whoop and keep going yeah. where we have to mm. slow down. Um, or even when we jump onto the a decent graded road that you think, oh, I can actually like kind of keep up with a trophy truck. A trophy truck will do 140 to 150 miles an hour. And yeah. they don't have yeah. to let off for anything. They can run down the dust. They can run down through all that wear in a motorcycle. They can run down a s- dozen armadillos. <laughs> at least. Of course, they, call, they, they cost a little bit more than your Craigslist motorcycle. But yeah. 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 Right? <laughs> but yeah, I think that's the fascinating part, too. And the sense that you have people in the middle of the desert come out of nowhere to help you. Yeah. yeah. It seems like there's a lot of camaraderie there. I just yes, wanted definitely. to remind everyone, if they're not familiar, it's not just motorcycles. And then... Also, in the motorcycle class, you have a lot of people who are running as teams. Yes. Where they're coming in and trading out so you're, you're fresh to go. Because typically, um, how long does it take to complete for somebody who's in the top 10 or something, you know? Uh, top 10. Even top 10 riders are about 23 hours. Even on a yeah. team, it's still about 23 hours, 22 hours for the Baja 1000. It's, mm. it's absolutely grueling. And then throw in that you have other cars and trucks on it. So it's it's pretty well, Yeah, I mean, not only that, thing. but like all sorts of stuff can just jump out at you on the road. I mean, fans are hanging out all over the place. Yep. Animals. Like, you just don't know what's going to be around the corner, right? So, so, <laughs> and, and you did that 2014 season. You did that on the XR650? Um, yes, we did it on XR650. And uh, I can't remember what race, but we did a few on the... And the 450? Four, yeah, the mentioned? 450 also. I did a lot of race. I raced a full Best in the Desert series and score series that year. So you're probably feeling pretty good, even though you didn't finish. You're feeling pretty good, and you're looking forward to the 2015 season. Yeah. So you get a different bike this this time. Yeah, we actually um, we had an offer from a team to ride KTM's. Uh, they gave me three motorcycles, paid my entry fees. All I had to do was show up. Nice. Um, only problem was they gave me KTM's. I've never been. Oh. A- <laughs> I think I've heard em- that before. Emma, he sounds like you. The way you have it's a certain love for certain bikes. Well, uh, not afraid to say what you think. Does it keep throwing money? Is that <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> kick till Monday. <laughs> if, if you remember, Liza, when we were down at Vintage Days, well, actually, you weren't there for all the... We were a little... For all we, the drinking? Drunk? No. I'm thinking. Yeah. We were really concerned because I was doing the demo rides for Zero. Oh, yeah. And, and we were really dudes. concerned because we had three or four breakdowns. Oh, now, no, the only know. other manufacturer who was doing all-day demo rides was KTM. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they had about nine. Yeah. So, you know, it's... And in defense of Zero, the only failures we had were belts. But, you know, KTM, they are really having problems keeping those things together. 
So, so back to how did you do 2015 season? Uh, 2015 San Felipe, I won. Yay! We won it. Um, on the cool. KTM. Uh, okay. Crash so bad. No, we crashed, broke a rib. Um, Ooh. but finished and didn't finish that well, but just kind of got lucky. But it was a finish. Uh, Is that the one where you wiped out and hit the wall and the bike landed? Actually, standing no. Up? That was the 2014. <laughs> that was 2014. Yeah, you that, guys just wait, go into that video <laughs> on YouTube. It's amazing. It was like you come over like a a hump. Yep. And the bike goes one way and you just went the other way. Yeah, there was a. It was like a turn. There's like yep. a hump and then a turn. Yeah, it's a it's a big long road. Road, um, and there's no speed limit on the road, and it's a 90 degree corner, and there's a big K wall after it. And I didn't pre-run that section at all, and uh, so I came over the top. It wasn't going too fast, probably doing about probably 50, 60 miles an hour, and just kind of locked up the front brake. And because there's not really much to do, I'm mean, so heading up straight over the hill, and you're looking at a wall. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, and that was at mile 10 of the Baja 1000. I broke my wrist there at mile 10. Oh, and that's the year we went oh road to mile 700. What was amazing, like you just go like rolling and then land at the wall. The bike disappears into just a wall of dust. It's sliding and then when the dust clears, the bike is standing upright against the wall like you gently laid it there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you just get up and are kind of like brushing yourself off. Check. You kind of get a limp. You just hop on. The bike starts right up and you just take off. Yep. With God. a broken wrist. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Nice. What okay. did you feel the right wasn't your throttle hand, was it? Uh, actually, it was. Oh. oh. When did you feel the broken wrist? <laughs> About five miles after. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, right around when the adrenaline started wearing off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Man, you know, that's that was one of the things on our Are You a Real Biker? Yeah. Have you ridden with a broken bone? Multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> so, 2015, you're riding the KTM. So, San uh, Felipe, you do good? Uh, yeah, San Felipe, we won it. And then uh, next was actually the Baja Sur. It was, uh, this was the first annual race. It started in Cabo and ran up the peninsula. So, it was actually backwards from any race that they've done. Uh, we went down, we pre-ran. Bike was brand new. It was uh, It was actually 2016. Uh, KTM, we had three of them down there. These and are the 450s? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we pre-ran and we brought three bikes down and in the time of pre-running 500 miles, I broke two bikes. Oof. Uh, like, what do you mean? So break? what failed? Like, yeah. Yeah, frame? Uh, or? So, so we lost one of them, we lost a motor on. Um, it was <laughs> actually a camshaft and then the other Oof. one we lost actually we lost multiple times the injector um being few injected we went through almost i think we went through three injectors by the time we were done pre-running gotta stick with carbs man they're so much more reliable yes that's why we're still on a honda (laughs) how the fuck do you kill a fuel injector uh three they get they get so hot because to get Uh. to get through most of the stuff Especially, not gonna lie, it wasn't my bike, so I was beating on a little more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, they would get so hot that they would melt the inside of the injector. Wow. Fuck. Wow. Yeah. Man. That's is, crazy. Because you're revving it up, but relatively low speed, not a lot. Because he's Tony fucking Gira, that's why. <laughs> pinning it. He in don't the sand. give a shit. He's just pinning it. Doing 100 miles right. an hour through I the know. sand dunes. He's doing 100 miles an hour down the road in the dark with no light. Yeah. So even at high speed, right. there isn't enough cooling. To, <laughs> wow. Yeah, no. The there's, fuel injector is not exactly wow. in a 
You, you know, work so hard in the sand. Fuel uh, buy more fuel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. One of the Fucking fatal flaws of fuel injection is that everything's under high pressure. I mean, fuel's being pumped through at like 50, 60 PSI. And when things start breaking up, like it's getting hot, all that junk is being forced actually into the injector nozzle by the pressure of the fuel. So you're done. Mm. Yep. It's, it's a fatal flaw, and it happens on the street bikes too. KTM were having some real problems with fuel filtration for a long time, yeah. and it was doing the same thing. All this junk was getting pumped down the fuel line, and it just gets forced into this tiny, tiny orifice in the injector, I and it's done. I can only hope, though, that they're taking what they're learning from the test you're putting through the bike and... Maybe that's why they want you give, just be give people like you a bite here. Go break it, so we can. Yeah, fix they've been it. doing it for a long time and they haven't fixed they haven't it. Yet. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's what right. we need to follow so through keep on. throwing money at it. Yeah. All right, so um, Baja. So they didn't do the Baja 500. Uh, no, actually, during that um, on race day, the race bike was still fine. We made it. Uh, what I was really excited and tried to win it in the first uh what was it, 11 miles 11 or 12 miles <laughs> right and found a really big rock at about 80 miles an hour <laughs> and went over the bars and my hand smacked on it landed on its back and my arm slapped the ground and i broke i actually had 32 fractures in my right oh, hand oh, wow you've already established you ride with broken stuff so i'm not yeah no that one so I you got back on right uh, yes actually yeah, i rode okay. to mile 70 <laughs> i rode to mile 70 with my left hand oh <laughs> you're left hand on the throttle yeah wow. i've tried that that yeah. is really hard and dangerous <laughs> yeah <laughs> were you sitting like side saddle or something because cro- if your arms across the way now we know why it. he lives so close to the if hospital you like, <laughs> if you like cough you pull a swerve <laughs> i just have to ask do you feel pain yes okay <laughs> just checking um <laughs> So were you you were out for that race? Yeah, we yeah, we made it there and then uh me and my dad actually talked about it. We were contemplating taking a whole bunch of meds and keep going oh. or <laughs> just give me the drugs, some, man. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. And uh we pulled my hand out of the glove and we left it out for about 5 minutes uh, and yeah. there was over. no way that we were getting any glove or anything <laughs> over my hand. Yeah. So wow. we kind of called it quits. Yeah. What kind of glove was it and do you think uh can you imagine another kind of glove that you think would have protected you more? No, it, nothing was going to protect. Was it was yeah. just a thin motorcycle glove, but there wasn't going to okay. be anything wow. that was going to. Because some of those, like some of, the, I've seen like some of those more intense race gloves have basically metal plating on the back. Yeah, right. but you need cushioning, yeah, really. So. Yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. that could with the gel so, or something. But all right, the next race was the one thousand. Um, actually, that year we were done with. Yeah. After my hand, we didn't ride again until twenty seventeen. Well, as we know, you do better when you don't sorry, ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so you were done with KTM. You, did you give them back? So here Actually, go. on the way back from breaking my hand, we dropped all three bikes <laughs> off in San Diego. Uh, we didn't even make it home. We called the guy that owned the owned the team that I was on and said, uh, hey, is anyone going to be, be at the shop? Because we're going to drop all three of these things off. We're done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a message. Wow. Yeah. Leave them in the dumpster. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, just kidding. Wow. <laughs> All right, yeah. so 2016, you're going to do things different. Yep, 2016, we uh, we actually, we were going back and forth on what it is. We don't have, the only sponsor I have is O'Neill Gear. Um, 
So being that it's a privateer budget, so we do it on my mom's income, my dad's income, which isn't much. I mean, we live in Santa Cruz, so everything's double the price. Right. Um, So we're doing everything we can. So the only way that we think of that we're going to do it is to do it on an old two-stroke. So mm-hmm. that's when oh, we wow. went and bought the KX500 off of Craigslist. For okay. Uh, <laughs> hold on. You guys went full insanity. <laughs> I'm going to stop you there. A 500 two-stroke? Because I think this is a perfect time to do the Craigslist porn the pick, pick of, of the, the week. week. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, I, Emma, I wasn't able to print it out, but you have it on your phone? No. I sent it to you. You did. Uh-uh. So... Uh, so what oh, I, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. I challenged Emma because we know that Tony went on to Craigslist to find his next race bike. I found your next bike. <laughs> so I said, you know what, Emma? I'm going to challenge you to find a bike on Craigslist that Tony says he would ride he, that he would race on. And I gave her a thousand dollar thousand budget. lousy bucks. So Tony, I'm gonna tell you what she found here. And you tell me if you think she did a good job. For the exact amount of one thousand dollars. Now this is before you start negotiating, because you can you can pee in the airbox. She's already trying to lawyer it up. <laughs> say <laughs> no, no, lawyered. you pee in the airbox and you say this bike's got a rodent problem and offer him three hundred dollars. <laughs> First I'm just gonna tell you the, the description runs great. Two-stroke, water-cooled, very fast, rare, bill of sale, out of DMV, so no back fees. And what she found here, for $1,000, a CR250R Honda Elsinore, 1986. Oh, yeah. You know, actually, I would do it. Damn right you'd do it. Wait, for how much again? Let's see. $1,000. That's for awesome. a 250 CR250 Elsinore. Let me tell you How something. How hard would it be to plate that? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, it's got the well, cool colors. It, it was it was plated at one point, right? Yeah. No, these are yeah. bitching bikes. But let me tell you, an you know 86. These things have won. Yeah, 86 CR250 will show a lot of the modern stuff the way home. That bike has got plenty oh, yeah. of power. Look at the history plenty. those CRs have. They've won all sorts of stuff. Elsinore's a bitching bike. Yeah. Fast as fury. So yeah, a thousand bucks that'll get you down the road. Got the red spokes. Yeah, the red <laughs> the, the color scheme's awesome on those things. You gotta have the red spokes, right? Red, like blue seeing the red. Spokes. Jocelyn, uh. you're not allowed to buy it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, there's you know, there's nothing like riding two-stroke in the dirt. No, oh, it's, it's great. The, best. <laughs> the plastic yeah. is in shockingly good condition for '80s Honda. I know, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I see Jocelyn pricking up over no, here. The two looking. strokes are getting her fired up. I know, up. I know. <laughs> Bex and I, we're gonna arm wrestle over it. Are you ready? <laughs> Thank you, Emma. You, you succeeded. Good job yes, well, for taking you know. the challenge. Yeah, good choice. All right, so no sponsor. So you go to Craigslist to find your next race bike. Yep. So, what were you thinking that you needed? Uh, we needed something that was gonna last. Mm-hmm. So and something that was fast. So that kind of leads to big bore two stroke. Nice. So, what did you find? And you have to tell everyone how much you paid for it. <laughs> so actually, we were on our way to Vegas Torino, and uh, we were gonna race that one. We had the 450 loaded down, and we were going on the way there, and we we're strolling Craigslist, thinking about the upcoming score race. So we're going, what are we going to find? And we're going back and forth with whether a CR500 or a KX500. 
Um, and we said, you know what, we got a lot of parts for a KX500. So we went and found one. Uh, we drove down to just out, we drove actually over to Barstow to pick it up um, on our way to Vegas Torino and we paid $700 right yeah. because <laughs> that's how much you pay for a race bike yeah wow. that's exactly right. the amount of money equal to the amount of headache like, <laughs> yeah, it's like $700 worth it now and this was like a what 15 16 year old bike or something I'm not very good at math it was 1994 yeah <laughs> yeah so god that's getting close to the end of production yeah it's like a 22 strokers. 23 year old bike yeah. Considering yeah. that I was born in '95, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, but fortunately, you're a mechanic, right? Yep. So you you're like, all right, no problem. We're just going to tear it down, check everything. Now, you guys, there's videos you can see um, on YouTube. There's a series yep. of you working on it from start, from tearing the bike down, and all the work you're going to do. So you yeah. tore it down. To the frame. I think you said you'd, you'd rather have something that you've put your hands on every single piece of it and you know yep. that it's good. What's, yeah. uh, what's the name of that series? Uh, just to plug you. Um, actually, it's just uh, Tony Gare, and then it's like the prepares for the San Felipe 250, oh, cool. and uh, it was all shot by uh, Pinnet TV. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Pinnet TV. That is cool. How do you spell your last name again? Gara. G E R A. G E R A. That's easy. And I was really impressed. I mean, <laughs> oh, well, we got to go back. So, of course, you're going to prepare this race bike. And I think you got it. It was like 23 days before the race or something. Yeah, it was about, yeah. So, we're not talking like (laughs) months out. We're talking, you know, less than a month. And, of course, uh, you've got, I'm sure, you've got an excellent garage with all the tools and everything in it to work on, right? No, we don't. Um, Kitchen table? (laughs) We had, like, somewhat of a makeshift garage. Mm -hmm. Um but we were having some really bad weather right mm-hmm. around that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the neighbor's tree fell through our <coughs> somewhat oh, okay of a watertight garage. No. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. <laughs> so we built the bike in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's badass shit right there. That's when you know you're a real fucking biker. That's real biker shit. That's real biker I've shit. always wanted to have my mechanic set up right next to a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound perfect. Yeah. All right. So you got to clear the kitchen out. You bring the bike in. You're tearing it down. Down. I mean, you tore everything down to the frame. Yep, there was nothing left. And then you even stripped the frame. And this is what I loved. Uh, you went through the entire frame and, like, re-welded yep. everything. Yep, we welded everything that had a crack. Um, it being that old and steel frame, it's yeah. going to crack. You welded yeah. it in your kitchen? Um, no, we did that out in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my good china. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, welded all of it. We braced a couple of spots because we've had a lot of KX500 Reese hill climbs. Um, mm. So we're pretty familiar with where they crack on the frames. So we went through and braced a couple of spots and put a couple of little guards on that when we're off welding it, we might as well do. Mm. And you rebuilt the engine? Yep, rebuilt the engine. And everything brand those, new. Those everything things are new. awesome. They got a piston like a bucket. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> No, is it, is no, no more no more yeah. injectors, wow. right? No more injectors. No, no more injectors. injectors. <laughs> Back to a beautiful carburetor. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you say like all in how much uh, did you have to invest in this? Um, I believe with purchasing the bike and all the parts, we were right around $2,000. 
Jam complete. It's um, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, well, we had we did spend some more money on like spare parts. We had a couple of spare sets of wheels sure. and stuff like was, that. Was the suspension good to go, or did you have so to? Because that can be pricey. Um, actually, I do all my own suspension. We, oh, nice. Uh, we used to. We owned the Nobby shop. Yeah. So uh, shop we actually, I did all the suspension. We did a, went to school for race tech. So that sweet. Kinda, cool. That's nice oh. and convenient. Yeah. Very so it's cool. not just like I do my own suspension. It's like I know how to professionally. Do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So you had how many days to <coughs> rebuild, including an engine and welding the frame and everything? Uh, by the time we actually got it all torn down and the frame sandblasted, we had 20 days. And you're working full time around the clock on this, right? Uh, well, not full time because I also had a full time job. Right. I had a full time job in Oakland, so it was also a, in Oakland, uh, which is wow. uh, like an hour and a half. Right. Uh, well, I got off work at three o'clock, so by the time I got home, it was a three and a half hour commute. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a terrible wow. commute. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. I do it twice a week. I know. Yeah. I saw the traffic <laughs> up there earlier today. It was a, it's dog shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're just working nights after yeah. working long days. Yep. Dude. And early mornings. You got to be at work at five in the morning. So at mm. any point, has anybody checked you out? to check your sanity. No. (laughs) I'm trying to be polite. (laughs) Wow. All right. So, how many days, how many weeks, days did it take you to completely rebuild and get that bike done? Actually, we got done early. We got done about five days early. Wow. Uh, So, like, in basically in two weeks, you turned it around? Yeah, basically, about two weeks we went through and did Did you hear that knock? Two weeks for a complete, basically, resto, rebuild, whatever you call it. I know. It takes me like three weeks to do my valves, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. I know. <laughs> I thought doing your valves just meant... It's a thumper. Yes, that too. <laughs> all right. So are you riding this bike for all the races of uh, the season? That was the plan. The plan was to do it for the full season. A plan is good. Yeah. Normally, we don't have those, and we think that's why it didn't go all the way through, because it was a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. All right. So what's first race of 2015? No, 20, we're at 2016. Uh, we're 2016. And, 2016. And that would be San Felipe 250 again. How'd you do in that? Uh, San Felipe 250, we won it. Yay. Woo-hoo. Nice. <laughs> and this is, are the film crews following you around at this point? Uh, yeah, actually, they met us. We drove down. The race started on Saturday, and uh, we met the film crew. They wanted to meet us on Thursday because they thought we were get down there like a couple weeks before everybody, but we weren't. Um, <laughs> I couldn't get that much time off work, so we ended up having to leave on Thursday night. So we got down there and talked to the film crew Friday morning, and we were racing Saturday morning. I guess I should ask, how did they find you? I don't know. I got an email. Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> I got they stalked e- him like you did. <laughs> There's got to be people going, dude, you got to check out this crazy kid. Yeah. Either my phone number is really hard to find or nobody wants to get a hold of me. <laughs> wow. All right. So you so you won the, the San Felipe, yep, you said? Yeah, won the San Felipe 250. Then what came next? Uh, the Baja 500. And how'd you do there? Actually, we were in the lead all the way till mile I think it was 280 and then the radiator blew up Um, and so that kind of stopped us there we were outside right where it broke we were in the dry lake bed or coming into the dry lake bed and it was 130 degrees oh Oh, damn Um, so after the radiator broke I was about 25 miles out of the last pit 
and had about another 30 to go to the next one. Mm. And Oof. so kind of can't really go either way with a big hole in the radiator. So I tried to pinch it off with a pair of pliers, and but nothing was stopping it from leaking. So we just I knew where the highway was at, so I just turned and went that way, and hopefully it made it all the way there. And actually, it did. Hmm. It was done by the time it got there. Actually, just just before I got to the highway, it shut itself off. Well, and you're talking... Oh. I mean, yeah, you're risking the bike, but if you don't risk the bike, you're risking your life yeah. out there yeah, in that right. heat. Yeah. And I believe... Did you not have any water? Um, actually, I did not have any water right. or food. Ooh. Oh, and once again, didn't some nice people come to your rescue? Yep. Actually, as soon as I got to the highway... We, or I was kind of shocked because I was sitting there and sitting on the side of the highway on the race bike. Um, I probably watched about 10 to 15 race teams pass me. Wow. Um, it's tough. Really? And mm-hmm. I'm stuck on the side of the road. And really, honestly, I've been in the race or in the chase trucks. You know, you are chasing somebody and they're trying to win too. So you probably wouldn't assume, you know what, let me stop and help this guy because you got a job to do too. Um, so, but I at least expected somebody to maybe throw a water at me. Yeah. Right. And, or at least check in, right? Yeah. And luckily, actually, um, some guys stopped and I thought, well, at least I could get a water. And they gave me a water and I said, you know what? You guys got a racer. Keep going. And they said, no, you're more important right now because you're stuck out here. And yet again, they were actually the local racers from Mexico. Um I watched a lot of American race teams pass me, which was kind of a shocker. Right. Um, so they loaded my bike into the back of the truck, gave me water, set me in the front seat, and drove me to my family. Nice. Wow. nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. So you were out for that one, right? Yep. All right. The next race? Uh, next race was Rosarito Beach Challenge. Oh. Is that the one where ah. you have to ride a donkey in the middle? No. Okay. <laughs> this, this sounds like more sand to me. <laughs> this sounds like a drunken sailor's kind of thing. Um, actually, that one, we didn't ride the KX500 in um, due to all the last things. We didn't exactly have the funds to get the bike back up. So we went through the garage and pulled out every bike that we could possibly make run, <laughs> and we came out with the Honda 450 again. <laughs> so we got that one all together, went down, and that yet again was a, it was, you did three laps, and then you had a break. You took like a, I think it was like a three hour break, and then you did another three laps. Hmm. So we went out, we did it, first time it was actually a really fun course um i was it was pretty short race but i was about 45 minutes in front of second um and then we stopped for the break and went back everybody i ate lunch and did all that we went back out for the next one and gonna try to kill it again and i made it into the last lap and there was this two big rollers that I was looking at. I really wanted to double them all day. And it was the last lap, so I said, oh, hell with no. it, I'm going to go oh, for no. it. Oh, no. And uh, I came up just a little short and got a big rock, and it blew apart the back wheel. Oh. So I rode, it was about 20 miles on the sprocket and rotor. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I saw a picture of that. Yeah. And, uh, that's what that was. I was trying to figure awesome. that picture out. Yeah, so, and then we rode all the way in, and or not all the way in, actually I was riding, and a local, there was a group of guys that were there, and I pulled over because the wheel started to come apart, and was I was hoping that maybe one of them had a pair of bolt cutters or something so I could cut the wheel the rest of the way off. 
Um, <laughs> and one of the guys there actually had a 450X, and before he could give me a set of tools, he flipped his bike over on its back wow. and started taking off his wheel for me. Wow. And so he took off his wheel. I took off mine. We traded. <laughs> I finished the race on his wheel, and I finished that. After that loop, I finished in second place. After riding on the rotor. Wow. All right, next race, the 1000? Uh, uh, yes, the next race was the Baja 1000. And the KX is back. Um, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't? No, we didn't race the 1000 on the, KD- <gasps> or on the KX. Ah. Um, yet again, didn't really have time to go through it. And I was still working full time, so we pressure washed the 450 and said it's good to go. <laughs> yes, I buy just, a Honda. I just like to point out, I would love to just come dig through your garage yeah. and see what you got in there. Right. Right. If you can just dig through, pull out a bike, and win a race on, right. you yeah, put we, a we wheel on it, right? A yeah. rear wheel. We got 33 motorcycles in the garage. Not oh, saying all wow. of them are definitely race ready, but or you would even want to try. But we have 33. And you live downtown. Yep. We don't have garages downtown. No, but we have. My house was. But we have two kitchens. The kitchen. Yeah. My house was built in the early 1900s. It's an old yeah. Victorian. So we have a carriage house. So we have a whole oh. underside of a house. Oh, nice. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Nice. Oh. Okay. So you pull out the 450. This poor thing. So it wasn't. Rebuilt or set up? It was pressure washed. Yeah, that's, <laughs> pressure washed. that's a big deal. So aren't you concerned about bearing seals, all that normal stuff? Um, air filter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was about all we were concerned about. Um, all the bearings, all that kind of stuff. We have spare wheels. So normally, if you see a failure, you just try to either limp it to the next pit or hopefully somebody can meet you there. Mm-hmm. Are, at this point, have you decided that? Honda makes a great bike. At this point, we decided, you know, we're not even going to try anything else. Okay. So nice. we kind of got stuck to the Honda. It's the most comfortable. You know, it really, to be honest, with the KTM, the KTM, aside from the KX500, the KTM had the most power. It was great. It it was, I mean, it took off the best, but aside from that, the handling the mechanical failures it was the worst you were looking for reliability on a long race like yes that. yeah to yep. finish first right. you must first finish so mm-hmm. it's the baja 1000 yep. we're in 2016 you pull the 450 out and pressure wash it which is actually more than what i do up until today how did the race go um actually the race went really well um we there was a couple more Ironmen than I expected, um, so we took off and I was kind of watching how fast I was going. Didn't want to really tire myself out too much in the beginning, um, but then I kept seeing dust and I can't just slow down when somebody's in front of me, so I have to catch every single person. It's a really bad habit. Um, <laughs> so we made it all the way, race mile four eighty. Um, it's just starting to get night and first headlight failed um so i only had to do about 10 15 miles in the dark though uh got to the pit my dad put on a new set of headlights we took off and we made it another 65 miles and i hit a fence and we lost the rear brake line uh rotor um and then at that actually it was just before a pit too so we put a new back wheel on it put a new caliper put a new brake line and took off from there 
And then... And you've not broken anything yet. Nope, not okay, broken anything. Yeah. And then, uh, actually, as soon as all that broke, that was those were the first things on the bike that broke. It went about probably the most amazing race I've ever had. Wow. Everything just fell together. Um, we were a little nervous because this was, yet again, one of the races that my mom wasn't able to make it to. So my chase people... Normally, you see a race team, they have... Even if you're doing Ironman, they probably still have 10, 15 people in trucks driving around, meeting them everywhere. I have my dad. Mm. So um, so when we hire a pit crew, um, they're Baja pits. They don't ever have like really spare parts, but they have spare, they have fuel. That's, right. mm-hmm. that's the main thing. Um, so we took off and I wasn't gonna see my dad from mile 500 all the way until 850. I wasn't gonna see him. Your, again. your tires lasted that long? I mean, or I guess like they're, they, I guess they don't. They wear eventually. Um, right? Actually, like, the we run a Kenda Parker. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, just a normal dirt bike tire. Sure. They really they don't make it that long. Yeah. Um, they <laughs> technically they yeah, don't. They make it to about 500 miles really well, and then the cords start showing, and they, but they get really hard right there, so you can make it a full <laughs> 1,000 miles on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, wow. so we finished with cords. It turns into a street wow. tire, is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Shave it down. Um, and as soon as it, really, as soon as it got nighttime, it was really cold. But um, as soon as it got nighttime, it was just everything kind of fell together and just kept moving. All right, I just want to cover, like, how many hours you're talking? You're talking almost 24 hours. Yeah, um, yeah. actually, by the time from... The time I left the starting line to the time I hit the finish line was 25 hours and one minute. Wow. Are you getting delirious at any point? Um, no. You start noticing a lot of sounds are going away. Um, yet again, it is a race bike, so they're not very quiet. Um, you start to notice you can't hear the bike. Hmm. Um, can't hear the bike. You kind of can't hear a lot of sounds. And it's really hard to hear once you're off the bike. Do you wear earplugs? I do not. Wow. Interesting. And do you want me to say that louder? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and we're talking on the Baja 1000 at least. It's a lot of different terrain. I mean, how do you deal with the silt? Cuz we know like in the cars that's a big thing that they have to deal with getting through the silt. Yeah. How does the motorcycles get through the silt? Either really fast or really slow. Yeah. You either hmm. and the hardest part is is it's not like sand where you just go faster and it gets easier. Silt is like riding in water. There's really no speed you can hit it at to make it just go smooth. Right. Um, So normally what I try to do is normally there's, you're obviously on some sort of track. Um, Most likely it's from trophy trucks. And trophy trucks will dig nice, big, three-foot deep troughs wherever they go. So instead of riding in the three-foot trough, I cross it back and forth. So I do a crisscross pattern back and forth over the trail. So instead of just riding right where the truck goes, I cross it as much as I possibly can. Hmm. Why uh, are you crisscrossing? In order to stay out of either the center line, because the center line hides rocks, because all the yeah. trucks push them into the rocks. Yeah. And then where the trucks go, they if they get stuck, they will... I mean, they have to do what they have to do. So they're getting on the gas and just dig holes. Hmm. So you're... You can't see the holes because yeah. it's like riding a baby powder. So right. you kind of just cruise through, keep crossing, and hope that you don't hit anything. Yeah. And you don't want to get stuck in one of those holes, too, because no. it's going to be tough to dig your way out. Yes. Yeah. 
Now, what about traps? I've heard rumors about I've heard the these locals. Too. Yeah, they set up these traps or like dig trenches. In a turn, or, they dig a trench oh, yeah. to get you to flip. Or even cables or things. I've heard that that was a, a uh, scary problem. Is that ranchers? For real? Yes, ranchers. It, it, yes, it is. You know, mm. it's they're it's not them necessarily being trying to hurt you. Honestly, some of the bigger holes, some of the jumps, aren't really meant for the motorcycles. They're meant for the trucks. You go to a country that doesn't have much. And you go down there, and like it explained in the Dust of Glory, the schools give you a two-day vacation for this. This is bigger than the Super Bowl down there. Mm. Um, this is, I mean, this is all that they have. Yeah, but one of the things they featured in the movie is, because I guess you're going across other people's land, yes. right? Is the, the word didn't get out and someone didn't unlock their gate. Yes. And here yeah. comes the race. Oh, yeah. And so the truck just had to like memo. blast through the poor guy's gate and leave yeah. it. Oh, it's man. not... You go down there, and it's not quite like it is in America where you have the government owning portions of land. Down there, yes, the government does own own portions of land, but 90% of what you race on is owned by somebody private. Interesting. Aside from the government owning a highway, almost everybody else owns everything around it. Hmm. Um, so you race through nonstop farmer's land. So it's... And they have cattle, and so how are you going to let 1,200 people go through your property? Well, sometimes they they don't always ask all the farmers. They get uh. around some of them. Some of them don't get asked. Some of them don't get told. Well, once they figure out that, wait, the farmer next to me made $12 off of this race, then they get mad, and, well, you're running through my property, so they're put a piece of wire up. Um, and yet... The wire doesn't stop a trophy truck, but it definitely stops the motorcycles. Um, yeah. So that is a little malicious, but other than that, most of, like, if you hear, oh, somebody dug a hole or a big jump, the jump, they want to see you jump. Right. The hole, they don't want to see you crash into it. You're on a motorcycle. They want nothing off your motorcycle. They're hoping a trophy truck's going to come through <laughs> and hit the hole and not even crash. They don't want them to crash. They want them to blow a fender off or blow a hood off. Yard that sale. way they can have a, <laughs> a piece of ring. Like fucking Star Wars or something. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, you know, I've come across jumps that people have said, oh, it's a booby trap. It, I don't know. Maybe it possibly could be a booby trap, and maybe I just look at it a different way. To me, a big pile of dirt with a bunch of people standing around in the middle of a trail is the same thing I had on the sidewalk when I was a kid on a bicycle. Yeah, that's right? just a yeah. jump. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we all learned that lesson at one point in our lives: never do a ramp to ramp. It's <laughs> a hard lesson to learn. Um, the other question I have for you: so when you're riding and there's like somebody in front of you, so you're basically riding in dust, but you're still going flat out, but yep. you're blind. How how do you do that? Do you like? Do you have no fear gene? Like I don't understand <laughs> really how you do that. Lot of it, you have to watch certain parts. Um, some bikes you get really lucky with, and they have either a tail light or they have a reflector on the rider. So that's what I follow. If that reflector drops, then there's a drop. If it goes up, then watch out because something's gonna go up. Um. <laughs> yeah, but what if you're in front all the time? Like, well, then you're not in the dust cloud. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Actually, right? no. In Baja, I would rather be in the dust than be out in front. 
Um, right? You, you got a point. Why no, am I, I asking that, him yeah. what it's like to be behind someone? You're never behind someone. <laughs> no, actually, I'm behind a lot. I leave about 40 minutes after the first bike. Okay. Because um, it goes pro teams, then over 25, then over 30, then over 40, then Ironman. So all those classes are in no, front of me. I'm kind of curious. Wow. How does your time compare to the teams? Um, well, it depends on what race. Um, Say the 1,000. The 1,000, I was, I believe... Five hours off of the pro team. And how many riders would they have on the pro team typically? Um, I believe they have seven to eight riders. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Seven people typically riding on a team. And yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. So you're going along and you won this race. Yep. Did, did you win by a lot? Um, actually, I didn't. He, coming into the finish, I... Right at the finish line, it was actually starting to be daytime again, and for some reason, just my luck, we got three flat tires in 80 miles. And it was like one of those things where I'm at the end of the Baja 1000, so normally when I get a flat, I'll just keep riding. I don't care. Yeah, we heard that story. (laughs) So normally, that's how it goes. But at the end of the 1000, normally when you just ride on a flat, something breaks. So I thought, you know what? Stop. Try to fix the flat. That way, you can make it to the finish line. You're mm. already this far. Um, and so I kept getting flats. Second place got around me. Um, so I finished about two minutes behind him. Oh. He left ten minutes in front of me. Oh, okay. So with time adjustment, right. I would have beat him anyways. Hmm. But also at the same time, there's they call them VCPs. They're virtual checkpoints. We have a GPS on our bike, and you hit them every wherever score feels like they're put. Um, I missed one of them. You have a 50-foot area to hit it. Uh-oh. So if you're 50 feet off, you miss it. Yeah. Um, I missed one. He missed 13. Oh. Ooh. Wow. So, and after you look, and they released the GPS note, um, he actually missed about a good 40 miles of course. Wow. I see. So, and it was a pretty rough section of course. Um, and I... A lot of people say that it was that he didn't know where he was going. To me, they normally don't run the course on the highway, and that's right where he went. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> I love this guy. You call everyone out on yeah. their shit. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, it's just not a race of endurance and actually finishing, but it's also like a, a waypoint challenge as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's not yeah. just a. You, it's, you have to find your way with their markers. And mind yeah. you, that it is. A arrow every mile and a pink ribbon tied on a branch every quarter mile. Now, hmm. do all those pink ribbons stay there? No. no. <laughs> do all those arrows stay there? No. I've ridden certain parts of the course where you won't see an arrow for about 10 to 15 miles. Wow. And that Dude. feels like an eternity oh, when you yeah. don't know where you're going. Sure. All right, yeah. so. Yeah, we do roll charts and we just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we can't turns. figure that shit out. <laughs> I, I can't tell the difference between a point one and a one. <laughs> <laughs> they need to make the damn dot bigger. All right, so you you won. You, you're notified you've won. Yep. Are you. What's. Like, is this relief? Is this like. What's it feel like? Because um, it's been a big, big deal right yeah you know honestly it you know it is relief but at the same time i kind of like to stand back and think it's just another race you there's always going to be a bigger one there's always going to be a better one there's always going to be somebody faster and in better shape 
All right. Well, congratulations. That's Thank you. that's pretty Huge. hardcore yeah. race. But let me ask you this: Do you think you could ride up a hill blindfolded and land on a paper plate <laughs> <laughs> with enough tries? <laughs> I got a question for you. At what point uh, during the actual race of the one thousand did you realize, oh shit, I'm doing this? Like, no, no turning back now. Um. Well, this was right like, when I paid the three thousand dollar entry fee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, that's a right. realistic answer. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I got a question too. You know, you, you mentioned the Dakar earlier, which is a huge undertaking, right? Obviously expensive and everything like that. But you're talking about bigger races, bigger and better things. You're 22. You're winning the Ironman at Baja 1000. You got the car in your sights. Any other stuff interest you? Like, like I don't know. You know, actually, a lot of races do. Um, really, I grew up racing. I mean, we we live in. How you kind of call it? I mean, Central California. There's nothing but mm. trees, right? I grew up riding nothing but trees, nothing but rocks, nothing but. I mean, I used to. We practiced on an enduro cross course Just all so the time. Just so you know, the people in Kansas are very jealous of what <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so for me, I raced. I mean, I went back east and raced GNCC. That is nothing but trails and nothing above 30 miles an hour. Hmm. Well, to go to Mexico because it's something different where you're not doing under 100 miles an hour, I really want, I kind of want to go back and race stuff that is more challenging. I want to go bigger races. I would love to do the car. The car is pretty fast, uh, desert-like, but I'd also love to go over and do the Ayersberg Rodeo. Yeah. Okay, um, so some the, of the hard enduro stuff Yeah, is all appealing? the hard yeah. enduro stuff. Um, that's what I grew up doing, and honestly, I think I'm much better at that than I am at desert racing. I mean, the only 90% of the reason why I get so lucky in the desert is because I'm not scared of the bike. Right. I mean, it it's not you're not going to go nowhere and it ain't going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, so I beg your pardon. Some of us might <laughs> disagree riding with broken bones, just uh, saying. So, that's kind of I win a lot in I think a lot of what happens in Mexico I don't train. I don't work out. I don't go to the gym. I don't ride. I don't practice. A lot of what happens in Mexico is just, I rely balls. on it's uh, all balls, balls and a lot of just mm-hmm. talent. Um, I rely on talent that I have that I don't know where it came from, but I got it, so I use it. Let me ask you, what do you think is the hardest race in the world? Hmm. That that is a hard one. Because we got and we talked about um, Dakar. There's a six day. There's Ayersberg. Roof of Africa. Hell's yeah. Gate. Yeah, is, is there like a Trans Siberia race or something? <laughs> you know, I would. Honest, Iron Man. Honestly, I did I w- a rod. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say, to me, to what I could think, what the ultimate race would be yeah. would be the Dakar. You're on a motorcycle for 15 days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, crazy. there's also yeah. different classes in the car. Now, I didn't know this until I started going. There is something that's called Malimoto, where, which was what I was signed up in. It is one mechanic, which is yourself, mm-hmm. and one rider. Now, all the car is one rider, but when you're on what they consider a team is you have multiple mechanics. Mm-hmm. So at night, when you come into your Bouviac, you don't get to just hand your bike off and go to bed. You have to go through your bike. Mm. So now, you could be up for a long time. I mean, depending on what it is. Some people I've talked to that race the car, 
and they've had their teams rebuild motors. Well, that's on a team. So what happens when I have to rebuild a motor in a right. tent at night after I just rode 700 miles? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and for and that's in for 15 days. You ride five to 700 miles for 15 days. All right. So you had talked earlier about the expense of picking up a bike. There, what do you if if you if money wasn't the issue, what what bikes would you consider running in the Dakar? Honestly, the only bike I would consider would be a Honda 450. Wow. I really? have the best luck. Is Not the just, Africa Twin or Super Teneri or the oh, KTM. There, see, there's another thing. A lot of people like to go and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get the Africa Twin, and it's a good to car bike. It's got that cool fairing on the front. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest part is, is it doesn't qualify for Dakar. Wow. It's too big. Really? You have a 450cc limit. No shit. So there's no, your options are so limited. I mean, even if you liked riding a KTM or Husqvarna, you can't ride a 501. Hmm. You have to ride a 450. Wow. There was that big flap a few years ago. There was that big flap a few years ago with KTM, your favorite brand. The, um, The Dakar race, they dropped the ball very, very close to race time. And KTM said, we haven't got any 450 bikes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And so they, they every single KTM, and I, th- I want to say it was 2010. You're just adding to his hate. Yes. <laughs> I think it was 2010. Um, KTM had no bikes because all of their bikes were 600 plus. I think they were running 690s oh, right, that right, year. Right, right. And, you know, thanks for telling us. Yeah. So, Tony, I'm, uh, we'll just use this opportunity now just to ask you the question. Oh boy! Uh-oh. So I need to prepare you for the question. Um, Here's a bottle. This is something that we ask all of uh, all of our guests, and um, it's it's a question that um, I have to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that there's a bike somewhere in the world, mm. any bike at all that you can think of, that if you that you know this bike and you look at it and you go. <laughs> I take it up the butt for that. <laughs> we call that an up the butt bike. So I want to know what is your up the butt bike? You know, I get really jealous because I think yeah. there's three people in the room that ride them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the BMW GS 1200. Yeah, I saw that when I went to the dealership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has to take it up the butt in dental school. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, certainly after winning, uh, so you didn't, it wasn't just the Baja 1000 you won. You won, uh, what was it, Rookie of the Year? Like, you yeah. won a lot of... Yeah, I won. That year I won, because that was my first full year in score, uh-huh. so they uh, they awarded me the Rookie of the Year. Um, the previous year when I was racing, also Best in the Desert, um, I won that championship, and that was... Uh, that was rider of the year uh, at the Best in Desert Championship. Um, and what else? I think that was it for that year. Well, I'm going to ask you an unfair question now. So, you obviously, you've you've built a name for yourself, some notoriety. You're, you're getting some attention. I saw you in the movies, for God's sake. And <laughs> I have to think, by this point, they're busting down your door to throw money at you and sponsor you. Yes? No. Or no? Right. No. So why? Why is this? You know, the only thing... I mean, there's no real answer for it. I mean, you can ask... We've asked companies. We've asked a lot of other people. The only thing that we can come up with is that... P- 
people don't want to sponsor the Ironman. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, you look at teams, and I look at some teams, I look at all the entries, um, even in the teams, because I want to see what everybody's going, right? What am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've asked a lot of companies, we've talked to a lot of companies, they all come back with, you don't get the same publicity, the mm-hmm. Ironmen don't as the teams. Um, also, you have to put a lot, it does take a lot of, if you're a company, would you want to sponsor 10 people to get your name out there or do you want to sponsor one? That's the way they go off of it. Every sponsor asks, the first I thing see. they ask is, "Can we? what's your social media account? Yeah, They look at the amount true. of followers. They look at the amount of people you're following. They look at how many people are active. Really? And it's... Wow. And that's kind of, it does suck because I talk to a lot of people. We've talked to really big names in the industry that have gone and even said, Tony, if you were around and you were racing like this 10 years ago, 15 years Mm -hmm. ago, you would have a ride. So a lot of this is, is this just more evidence of the industry, the downturn in the industry? Yes, it is. You look and there is not a single factory team in Mexico anymore. Jocelyn, wow. call some of your people. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can um, get together. Have your people call, call his people. <laughs> they're all privateer teams now down in Dude Baja? You know, they're Listen, not or? necessarily privateers. Uh, well, what I consider a privateer. Right. I consider a privateer being you, the racer themselves is funding it. Right, right, okay. Um, yeah. right. Like now, a Yuri Berrigan kind of setup, right? Now, uh, what they can, when you go down there and you see a most of them are private funded teams right one guy that wants to ride the motorcycle but doesn't quite have the skill set to do it will sponsor we call them the ringers they're sponsored 10 other guys eight other guys to go out there and the money guy rides off the starting line (laughs) rides it two miles hands it off to the ringers and waits for the bike goes back has a beer waits for the bike to come back gets on the bike two miles before the finish line and look he wins the baja 1000 wow you know they they showed that in the movie opinion of people who do that um actually you know there's some people that i'm there's some people that i think it's great for um that's kind of (laughs) why i raced the iron man class too though because there isn't that you have to ride the bike i mean no matter who you have funding you it's still that rider you can't sign up i can't have somebody sponsor me and sign up under a different name um so that's why i like racing iron man but the people that do it they need to be there or else the industry is nothing at all if there wasn't those private people that are funding it there would be nobody sponsored at all so it's i don't know i think it's worth it in the end and I like seeing those companies do that because if there wasn't, there's probably about 30 teams that are privately funded by big names. Hmm. If there wasn't that, then those 30 teams wouldn't be there. It's a double-edged sword kind of yeah. thing, huh? Yes. You gotta have to do it. You just have to do it for exposure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So 2016 was a big year for you. How did 2017 go? Uh, 2017, actually, you know, we had a lot of hopes going into it. Um, we went down, we raced to San Felipe. Uh, yet again, I started a new full-time job, so it was kind of hard to get off for that one again, but we went down there, we raced it, and we came back, and we were going over everything, and I don't really know what happened, but for the first time in my life, I didn't want to go race a motorcycle. Hmm. I don't know why. Hold on. Did it have anything to do with a girl? Actually, it didn't. Okay. Hmm. Um... 
it didn't have anything to do with the girl. I really, I just didn't want to ride a motorcycle. And for some odd reason, I just stopped. Maybe because you need to find the next thing. I it, I think part of it was, you know, it was, we raced score for a while and it was just kind of going back and beating the same dead horse. It was, we, I love racing a motorcycle. I love riding a motorcycle. I ride one every night. But to try to think and put yourself in a spot to where, okay, you're going to risk everything, but you're doing all this to make a name for yourself. And after not making a name for yourself, you go, what is it worth? Am I going to go work Mm -hmm. a full-time job, drive all the way down to Mexico, and do all this for nothing? And are you you doing any um, track riding at all? Um, no, I went down and rode Pismo twice just for fun, mm-hmm. but that's about it. And do you, do you ride a street bike? Yes, I do. Oh, what do you ride? Well, it's it's kind of a street bike. I got a, I do ride a, my, it's actually my dad's, a BMW, it's 1150GS, um, okay. well, kind of a GS. Um, and mainly what I ride, just because I can ride it through town and wheelie it and make a ton of noise with my Harley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a minute, what do you mean kind of a GS? Um, it started out, yet again, not having that much money. We can't afford the uh-huh. GS. So we got a call from uh, our friend that owns an impound yard. And he said, hey, I got a motorcycle in here. And we went and looked at it. And it's a 2001, 2000. I can't know, don't know exactly. Um, 1150, BMW 1150R. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. so, so it was a road race cool. one. So, but... And we also had, from the uh, city of Santa Cruz, we had an old BMW cop bike that was oh, blown wow. up. Nice. So we took the forks off the cop bike, and we went back and forth. <laughs> we threw some big old... In ug- the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> we threw some big old ugly knobbies on a BMW R, 1150R, and I've just been riding that. It's Well, it's his bike, but we've just been riding that <laughs> for a couple months now. <laughs> and that's Nice. We had a guy who came by today on a Ducati, a brand new Ducati Hyper Motard that he took to Hollister the other week. Whoa. That's awesome. Yes. That guy that's my, it was fully yeah. muddy. Did it awesome. have Oregon plates? <laughs> and and even like, uh, no, but even um, Charlie pointed out like, ah, I wouldn't take that on the dirt. It has the oil filter just hanging right down out the bottom. Oh, no. Just waiting for a rock to grab. Oh. Did just have uh, knobbies on it or was it just street tires? I think he did throw in some other tires okay. on it. TKCs or something. But it's like, dude, you're crazy. <laughs> if Charlie won't take it in the dirt, you probably shouldn't take it in the dirt. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Charlie so, will take what? And you're, so it's coming up 2018. Do you have any plans yet? What are you going to be doing? Um, you know, I'm probably, after taking a year off, I've kind of re-sparked the interest in going oh. down to Mexico. Not necessarily in search for the sponsor like I was. Almost kind of a point to prove that, because there has been some rumors that I went down there and I won it on luck. You should. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of. Yeah, I've been hearing like that too. Calling you so, out you know, now. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of struck an interest in me to go down and show that I didn't win it on luck. Um, I mean, I got my cut. My son's four days old now. Yeah. So we're gonna. It's kind of. It's gonna be a lot harder. Um, having a new son, still working, and all this. So it's gonna be harder to do. But I want to go down and prove that you still can be competitive and you can win with having all this i just have to ask an obvious question if your chances of getting sponsorship are greater if you're on a team is this not something you're considering 
It's not. I okay. I have ridden on teams before, and there's a couple of really good teams that I like. I don't know whether it's trust issues or what. I cannot hand the bike mm. off to somebody and trust them to get it to me again. Hmm. I don't like, I don't count on it. You have. You couldn't forgive them if they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. You have, you have two or three great riders on it, and then you got one that. He's fast, but he tears up the motorcycle. And me being the mechanic, 90% of the time, I'm the one that gets the torn up motorcycle. I've had to put top ends in bikes in the middle of a pit. I've had to put clutches in bikes in the middle of a pit. It's way too hard to try to do it on a team. I like doing it myself. Have you have you thought about hitting up Alta and being like, hey, follow me with a chase car and like thirty batteries? <laughs> <laughs> we could see it heading that That'd way be pretty awesome. soon. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> and you really wouldn't need earplugs. I know there was somebody who told me earlier in the year they were gonna try and do the six day on an Alta. I haven't followed oh. up to see if he did or not. Mm. But they're at the point where Well, how many yeah, I mean you just need a lot of batteries. Yeah. And yeah, a way to charge them. Much. Yeah. And yeah. All right, so or Tony, just a lot of batteries. How or can both. people follow you, or if or if they want to support you? That's the hardest part is mm-hmm. not having it, not having done all the support stuff, and yet again, being on a shoestring budget. Most teams hire somebody mm-hmm. to get their name out there. They do. Uh, yeah. I have. <laughs> Facebook and an Instagram. That's about all I got. Um, so, What's your PayPal? <laughs> <laughs> um, I buy Amazon. <laughs> so that's kind of the hard part. Um, but, I mean, they can get a hold of me over Facebook or over Instagram or anything like that. And, again, it's Tony Guerra, G-E-R-A. Dude, I'm, I cannot wait to see what things are in your future obviously too i want to say hey you also have this podcast now at at your behalf anytime you want to come down here hang out check in or even have a message or something you'd like us to share yeah um we really support our local people and dude doesn't get more local than you i think you live closer than yuri does yeah (laughs) so uh what do you think about the xr 650r yeah if it was if it was 30 pounds lighter <laughs> yeah, it would be the probably one of the best bikes i've ever you ridden. heard that you hear that shit <laughs> yeah he's told, he just told you to get on a diet dude what are you so excited yeah i have i have an xr 650r that's been i have three of them for sale too no shit on Craigslist. Are they plated? Are they plated? Uh, nope. Uh, nope. Okay. I got all my, my 450s are plated, but nice. I, you know I didn't get a 650 plated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They make a pretty awesome street bike, actually. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. We definitely want to um, follow your career, and anytime something's going on, let us know. We want to share it with our people. All right. Thank you. Um, we do have an announcement, Miss Emma. Yes. You have an announcement you wanted to share with your people? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't talked about Emma's Army for a while. Yeah. So, what I've decided to do, um, I've got some stickers being made up right now. They're at the Graphics Artists. Aha. Um, I'm getting it laid out. These are extremely cool stickers. And basically, your bike's going to be naked without one. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're not large. About three inch by two inch, they're in the best possible taste. (laughs) 
The best news is they're free. Hmm. Now that I can afford to get the stickers made, what I can't afford to do is send them all out to you. So, in order to get a sticker, now these things are so valuable, they're going to put you in the next tax bracket <laughs> if they had a value. <laughs> so, you, you're talking instantly thousands of dollars on the value of your bike. All I need you to do is send stamped addressed envelope to the recycle garage. Liza, what's the address here? What? Yes. I, have ad- I have everything sent to my parents' house. Um, <laughs> it's not around well, back. Well, I'm not done on, with no, the no, offer no. yet. Hold on. I, I want to sweeten that pot, Emma. Well, I've g- oh. it's already going to be sweetened in a moment because I'm not quite done yet. All right. Do, do you want to sweeten first or you want me to sweeten? Okay. I'm going to do my sweetener. Okay, sweeten. I'm going to include a bonus. <gasps> okay. And again, it's for free. Now, one of my dearest friends... Is a guy called Mike Beck. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If you if you listen to K Pig, they play his stuff all the time on the lo- on the radio station. He's just back from touring Norway. He's leaving to go on tour on, in Europe in about two or three weeks. However, he's just written a song called Six Fifty. The song is basically about a guy's lifelong love affair with his triumph, Bonneville. Ooh. Wait, like a motosexual affair? Almost. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what Mike has decided to do for the members of Emma's Army, he's got his band together, who are called the Bohemian Saints. They're going to record an exclusive version of 650 just for us. Wow. Now, the only way you can hear this... Is via Emma's army. He's gonna. The song's gonna be on the next album he's putting out, which is next spring. But it's gonna be a different version to the version he's recording right now. I will include a sound card in the package, so you get to hear this song, and it's a bitching song. So, and that's it, and it's free. But you have to send me a stamped address envelope because you know postage is like fifty cents a pop these days. Can I just hand you an envelope? So, uh, all right, I'm going to sweeten the pot a little bit more. Okay. Because apparently we've been busy. I just uh, ordered three new different stickers for the garage. Ooh. So we can throw one of those in as well. I'll throw one of each. There you go. I'm going to add three more stickers to that pot. Tis the season of giving, I guess. It is the season of giving. So it's a great offer. So um, you can send that to Motorcycles and Misfits, and the address would be 342 Washington Street, Santa Cruz, California, 95060. Oh, that's pretty cool. My, my stickers are going to be here pretty soon. And um, Mine are still at the graphic artist. As far as I know, I think Mike was recording today. You know, he's a typical musician. He's a perfectionist. They're probably going to record today. It'll probably tag over to tomorrow. And then he's going to edit it down, which will probably take him another week. So I'll get these things back out to you in the new year. Awesome. And then I wanted to share a big... Thank you and hello to our friend Sarah Bettany, who sent us a big package full of tools and chocolate. Thank nice. you for the curly whirly, Sarah. All the way from England. Wow. wow. English chocolate, of which Emma said it's 
wasted on us Americans and took it all. (laughs) (laughs) I stand by that decision. (laughs) So thank you very much, Sarah Bettany. An angel. We appreciate it. She is. So um, let's get to emails real quick. I have one here. Um, This is from our friend Carl Withers. He says, hey, everyone, love the podcast. I've been writing for 32 years, except for a five-year span. He'll be ready for a nap now. He said, except for a five-year span after I wrecked doing 100 miles, uh, doing 100 about a mile from home. Oof. Yikes. he grew up across the road from the Vetter plant in Illinois, so the Windjammer is his fairing type of choice. He remembers being evacuated during the fire in 78 that destroyed his Liberator uh, fairing dream in one hell of a fire and smoke cloud. The Craig, Chicago fire. Yeah, Craig had some wild parties in his house. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I've been to a couple of them. He said, a bunch of my friends, including my girlfriend, have worked for Vetter. They all say it was an awesome place to work, and they were all treated very well. Good to hear that. He currently is riding his second Harley, a 2000 Screaming Eagle Road Glide that has, wait for it, 161,000 miles on it. Yeah, that's wow. nice. And it's still going strong. He's put two sets of cams and chain temp- tensioners. He's replaced every rubber uh, and wear part on it. He says he waves to everyone, even scooters. Hey, Bagel. All right. Hey, the Thank waver. And <laughs> his boy uh, learned to ride on a new Kawasaki. KE100, a bike that doesn't do any one thing well, but you still can't ride it without a smile on your face. Yeah. No, they're great little bikes. Uh, he bought a pair of Honda Express 2s. Wow. Can you, can you even park those within five feet of a Harley? <laughs> it's got like a magnetic <laughs> repulsion, right? It just pushes it No, I, I think you carry it on the back. It's like like a lifeboat. So when... Um, so, he, so he bought a pair of them to put them together for his daughter. He says, boy, was that a mistake. Then Uh-oh. things were picky and would leak oil from the gear case or gas on any given day. Ooh. He finally sold them last month and got her an 06 Schwinn 50cc scooter. So oh. your Harley went over 160,000 miles. I know. Honda's leak oil. I know. So yeah, he uh, had to put a new starter in it and took the tires off, cleaned it so they would hold air. Um, but that thing is a blast, and she can't wait till it gets up to 50 degrees this weekend so she can get out on it. <laughs> nice. um, he's also got a spare 99 KE100 that he bought just for its cylinder. Parts biker. Yeah. He said it's making a sound like the piston skirt is hitting the crank. Surely that can't be, can it? Highly unlikely. And after that, it sounds like my boy threw a rod in his 86 Kawasaki Vulcan 750. Mm. So we're tearing into that in a week or two to see if it's worth saving. Anyways, I really enjoy Emma's Honey Hole and the Scooter Info. (laughs) All Harley riders are Thank you, darling. They're not all Harley riders are bad, but there sure are plenty of assholes on a Harley wearing their Harley costume gear. Keep up the good work. And he sent us pictures of his beautiful garage with a wood floor and better fairing and all the different bikes and scooters in there. So awesome. Thank you very much. Bagel, what do you have there? I have an email from uh, Casey Green, and he says, "Hey, misfits, my name is Casey, and I'm newer to your podcast, but I like what hey, I Casey, but I like what I hear. I'm a newer rider and looking for my first street bike. I'm a cruiser fan, but all I can find are Vulcans in my price range. Would it be worth grabbing one or just putting the money down towards a new Honda Rebel 500? Any recommendations to bikes, preferably a cruiser?" Oh, God, no, Vulcans are great. Yeah, the Vulcans yeah. are good. Vulcans are solid. They look a little weird. <clears throat> the new ones look kind of weird. 
The bigger ones, not so much. But the the <laughs> parallel twins look weird. Always well, the V yeah. twins. The V twins are a nice metro cruiser. The parallel twins. look But weird. I tell you what, the Vulcan five hundred is a wonderful, wonderful bike. It's half a Ninja Thousand engine. They're fantastic. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them. Yeah, well, that doesn't necessarily make them a bad bike, Isaac. It, just because you don't like them. They're actually a damn good bike. Yeah, they're solid but, running. But if you're tall, if you, it might be But if you want a bike that's going to start every time you get on it, the Rebel yeah, would the be the one. Honda However, I don't really think... I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to have a good resale value in those. They're kind, the new ones are kind of ugly. Hmm. Well, um, if you but I think it's going to be a good runner. And if, if yeah. you don't <laughs> care what kind of bike you're riding and what other people think of you, then that's going to be the best bike for you to ride. Mm-hmm. But... Um, and bear in mind, it's, weird. It's, it's not Japanese-made anymore. Yeah. If you're not super attached to Cruiser, look at a V-Strom. Yeah. What? It's it, you said cheap price range, and he wants it to be utilitarian. Yeah. No, there's Vulcans, yeah, and I'm always a big fan of the V-Star 650. Yeah, the V-Star is good. It, it's not a big bike. It's a 650, but it looks like a big bike. Right. And you just kind of feel badass riding down the road cruising. Mm. Yeah. If you want a Cruiser, it's not a bad bike. And boulevards just avoid anything from the 80s. Yeah. Oh. No, but he. But this is not the only thing he wrote in about. He. His message. His message is actually actually titled "Big Black Turd." <laughs> and he continues saying, "As to my big black turd, I have an '85 Honda Big Red that I can't seem to sell. I got it from Death a, trap. I got it from a duck club around here for a hundred dollars. Got it running like shit, but now I can't get rid of the beast. I know you take donations, but I don't have a truck. If you come get it, it's yours. Otherwise, this this might hit the junkyard. That's, that sounds like a threat. What's a, what's, <laughs> a, what's a big red? It's, it's a, a tricycle. Oh god. What? A tricycle? It's a tricycle. Yeah, it's a three-wheeler. The neckbreaker. Oh, the little murder murder cycles? Yes. It's the one that killed a bunch of kids. Well, the the big red, if oh, I remember, like the ATV. Had, the those big red might be a big quad. They're those little three-wheel oh, It's like ATVs. the same. No, the the big red had a CR250 engine. It's absolute death trap. Yeah. Oh, an 85 would have been a trike. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. shoot. I'll take that just for the engine. Right, yeah. <laughs> Let's put that in Bex's bike. <laughs> in the chiser. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, that, no, that thing had a radial head CR250 engine, but well, three wheels, no, 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 no. Tony, would you race that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Smart guy, Tony. Well, Casey uh, closes out saying, uh, thanks for the awesome podcast and helping bikers along the way. Peace, Casey. Nice. And, uh, yeah, Casey, tell us where you are. Maybe we'll come back and pick up that trick. No. <laughs> well, Liza, you said you want it, right? I, I just want the engine. Right? Well, there you go. We used to bike to uh, tow people with the... Uh, the milk crates. Yeah, the frame <laughs> could be the frame. No, the frame could be the new uh, the, the new chariot. The chariot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Emma. I there? have an email here from Damien. Hey, Damien. Hello, Damien. And hey, he Damien. says, "How about a wiring primer?" Um, with the project bike I got, and according to this, in brackets, says there's 2012 CCW Thamisfit. Do we know what that is? I don't. What? No. Hmm. Okay, well, anyway. I discovered that the wiring used is 18AWG, weather-dried on the front areas, and rusty green <coughs> copper on several wires, bad signs of weathering. Most of the connectors fill with water when raining. It's an electrical breakdown waiting to happen. Well, it sounds like it, Damien. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to rewire and replace the connectors throughout, but... It's a bit out of my comfort zone. I can wrench till the cows come home. He has 20 years as a Navy jet and helicopter mechanic, just saying. Mm-hmm. But the wires are not in my knowledge pool. 
Um, the internet has not helped much since there is no wire your bike from start to finish (laughs) (laughs) that actually shows or explains how to do it in a practical way. So here are the topics I would like to hear. Wire selection. What size and for what? What the fuck is up with all the colours and do we need them? <laughs> so, nah, just use all one colour. <laughs> all red. No, he's not done yet. No, all he's red. got more. <laughs> Connectors. For the weekend fair weather warriors or for the I fucking ride underwater baby or doesn't it matter? <laughs> Why are the beast on a bench on the bike build your own or mimic the harness? About splicing, do's, don't, and fuck it. <laughs> protection. <laughs> oh, you know. Prote- you've got to wear protection, darling. So I'm going to say we don't have time to answer that tonight. That's but I think podcast. it is a good podcast. I think, I think it's it going to be a good topic. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let me just go straight because we'll, I'll go straight to the, the end. He's, he said, thanks for all you do, exclamation point. Damien, he's in Brooklyn, New York. So look, Damien, yeah, we'll do this as a, as a kind of like a, a but top definitely tip. First thing you want to do is try and find a wiring harness on eBay. That's With, a First thing. Without a wiring yeah. harness. But, First thing. Um, I've worked on aircraft and helicopters too. And do you know how many colours there are in a wiring harness in an aircraft? <laughs> Twelve. Oh, Hundred and twelve. One. Everything's white and everything's numbered. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It's the same as most commercial vehicles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Everything wow. is white and numbered. There's mm. nothing to do with colors. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So, so that's are. a good question. I think Tra-la-la. I think we are going to Yeah, let's co- let's cover it cuz most people are scared to death of Jim, wiring. Jim, yeah. what you got there? All right. Uh, I got one from Tim Parrot. Tim Hey, Timmy, Tim, Tim from Timmy. Uh, the Central Timmy. Valley. Uh, Liza, I just started listening to the podcast, and although you've probably had a thousand opinions on what bike you should buy next, I feel like I need to offer mine up. I'm a little biased because our family has been in the Honda business, Parrot Honda in St. Helena, since the early 60s. Oh, nice. And you're writing us for advice on what to buy? <laughs> uh, but no, I it's to... about me. No, it's advice yeah. for, oh, me. Oh, yeah. for you. Oh, this is your next bike. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, but I've owned a KTM 950 Adventure, Husky, Yamaha, Suzuki, etc. You've mentioned you're interested in an ADV bike, and I must say that the Africa Twin would be a great bike for you. Mm. I bought one in March, and it's fantastic. I've been riding since I was five, 51 now, and I'm a little bit of a traditionalist. Love riding in the dirt, but bought the DCT model anyway. Not one regret. It really works and is magic off-road. I'll even offer up a test ride on my bike if Ooh. you like. Hey, nice. Thanks and love the podcast, Tim. Right on. Thanks, Thanks Tim. Tim. Yeah, and I sat on Andrew's, uh, is that Explorer? Yeah. yeah. Tiger. The big tiger. Tiger yeah, Explorer. The big tiger. That thing is a fucking giant tank. The Exploder. But yeah. <laughs> let me, but let that's me tell the tiger. You, let me tell you something about that DCT Africa Twin. It's actually, it's an amazing bike. Because I when, when I... Got the first consignment of ours in. I was determined to hate it. I was absolutely determined to hate it. And of course, if you if you buy a new bike, I've got to ride it first, make sure to do the PDI. And I thought, yeah, fucking DCT. But it's magic. It just clicks up and down through the gears. It's great. But I think the reason we decided against it, Liza, it is a bit Budget. out of your. It's about Budget. out of your price range. Yeah. It is an expensive motorbike. But I do like the colors. All oh, right. they're lovely. We got time for one last email, and Jocelyn's going to read it. 
Jocelyn, you can do that thing where you have to hold it at arm's length. A little bit further. Just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit further. This one's coming to us from Washington Crossing, Pennsylvania, on the Delaware River. Okay. This Merca. is Furman. Uh, yeah, Furman, Furman Hendrickson. Furman Hendrickson. He's also known as... The Furminator. Furminator. The Furminator. <laughs> um, he says, hello, Misfits. Seasons greetings. Out of all the motorcycle podcasts, I listen to yours are the best. Thanks. Thanks, Furman. Enjoy Jocelyn Snow. Ah. <laughs> he says he, he loves Spanish. Ah. It's just all about my voice and my laugh. Uh, let me give it to you. You're not alone. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, Furminator. Um, GS Trophy Challenge. Uh, stores. He says, sounds like uh, it's more than just writing. Good luck, Jocelyn. Thank you. You know, I used to have an international harvester that was running on like three pistons and it sounded like your laugh. Did it? Nice. <laughs> that was a good one, huh? Oh my goodness. Uh, he wants to talk about the, intervi- the interview with uh, Reg Cottrella. Yeah, Reg oh, yeah. Cottrell. Mm-hmm. He says he can relate uh, since I owe, I'm over 50 um, and I need an owner's manual in spite of myself. His book is on my wish list. Nice. So, and Christmas is coming, so hopefully someone heard that in his family. Yeah. Um, I did my guided motorcycle tour with my wife in uh, Slovenia, uh, Croatia, awesome. Bosnia. It gets a little bit longer in the words, uh, but let's just say, you know, big words here. <laughs> yes, uh, just this past September. I had a great time uh, and it gave you so much more if you have a local guide for information on the history yeah. and the culture of the countries that you travel through. Makes it real nice. Uh, border crossings. I did get uh, med jet assist insurance, mm-hmm. but I didn't need it. So that's good. We're glad you, to hear that. Do you have med CalStar time? <gasps> no. You don't wow. have CalStar and you're out there really? in the desert like that? 40 bucks. 65 now. 65 well, okay. <laughs> and your family's covered. That's yeah. like but three it covers, nights of no, dinner. It covers 38. <laughs> <laughs> it covers 38 states now. Yeah. So Furman says, but however, there was a crash um, that did take a rider out. Mm. Going too fast in a corner. That'll do it. Over the center line, hit another motorcyclist with his foot. Oh, no. He stayed Ooh. up, but his foot was injured and could not ride anymore. His oh, foot man. nor him. I'm guessing that anymore. wouldn't be a problem for you, Tony, right? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> just, foot. just don't take your boot off. That's <laughs> it. Just don't take My your foot was off. hanging by a tendon. I still finished the race. <laughs> Furminator says, remember, people, ride your own ride. That's right. Indeed. He wanted to talk about Podcast 206 with the interview of Sam Pastel of yeah. Zero Motorcycles, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It piqued his interest. He says, I think the Zero might be my next commuter motorcycle. Nice. So I was cool. talking to my local dealer who just took another motorcycle brand and asked if they were going to take on any brands, maybe electric motorcycles. Well, funny you should ask, he said. We did have an electric scooter made by a company named <sighs> Vectrix. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. sold them for a few years. And then the company went bankrupt. Uh, We were stuck with a few in our inventory. Uh, I asked if I could see them. They had seven. Five VX1 larger 
Um, NIHM battery scooters and two small VX248 volt lead acid battery scooters. You got Bagel's interest now. <laughs> he's, he's got it spiked up. <laughs> he's sitting up straight over there. Um, but the deal is, you have to buy them all and everything that goes with them. Oh, man. Ooh. <laughs> Bagel's got room. <laughs> no. We might have to go pick a bunch of stuff up. Uh, the scooters are fun from 2007 to 2011. He made me a deal. I could not refuse. So now I added seven scooters to my Holy motorcycle wow. stable and wow. two gas motorcycles. Furman, say along with me. Hi, my name is Furman. <laughs> <laughs> I am a bikeaholic. Bikeaholic. <laughs> uh, my idea is to get them running and sell them. Oh, sell them off from my zero motorcycle fund. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Maybe. Maybe that's Dude, what you maybe do, you Tony. sold some bikes. Yeah, buy seven yeah. scooters and sell them so that you can be fun. Okay. Anyway, um, what do we got here? Mm, burn, battery minute. Here we go. So far, the two VX2 running and the two VX1 is running. Nice. Uh, the others, he has some issues uh, for onboard uh, chargers, not function, battery <coughs> management, lights. I guess they used LED for all lights except the headlights and the firmware updates. Some parts are available from a little site in Poland. So mm -hmm. that's his winter projects. No riding here since we already had two snowfalls. Ooh. And the roads are covered with sand and salt. Been watching the California wildfires on the news. Have you guys been affected at all? Only in that they make wonderful sunsets. Yes, yes. We can smell them and we can breathe them a bit, but they're a little further south from yeah. us. So thanks for your concern, Furman. Happy holidays and keep up the great podcast. Thanks. Yeah. Right. Thanks, and Tony, I wanted to thank you again for coming down. Thank you. Guys. I'm so glad that we discovered you and so close. And if ever you want to come hang out on a Sunday, we're just here doing bike shit. Sponsor Tony. <laughs> exactly. The Gar fundraiser going. <laughs> exactly. And I wanted to tell everyone, hey, um, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, all that shit. Because we're not going to be doing a podcast next week. Well, we are. We're going to be doing our Christmas party, but it's not going to be the usual thing. Um, and we're going to record then. Um, but I want to make sure everyone has a good holiday. and Yeah. That they get their 03D.com presents. Yes, <laughs> How to get that plug in. Why did you say cha-ching? Knock. Cha-ching. Oh, cha there, cha there you go. I awesome. was getting the cup holder. Is that, is oh, that yeah. It's already out. Is it right? Okay, uh, nice. It's already in the mail. Awesome. Right. So thanks again for coming, and thanks everyone for listening. And um, as Emma said, if you want to get a sticker, just send us a self-addressed envelope and i will put the address in the show notes and I, with a stamp on it <laughs> with a stamp and i guarantee it will double the value of your bike <laughs> absolutely guarantee this will not actually guarantee the value of your bike okay. and, and, and thank you jocelyn brock and orlando for coming and yeah. hanging out thanks for having us yeah did, did you have fun brock i did that's great <laughs> and you're, you're visiting from back east right yeah from virginia what do you think about our riding out here? I love it. Uh, you guys want some? <laughs> what, wait, are you anywhere near the Blue Ridge Parkway? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I used oh. to live about twenty minutes from it. Oh, oh that's my beautiful. God. That's a great spot. Yeah. yeah, but you guys are riding some dirt up above Big Sur, right? <gasps> 
Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool, too. <laughs> if you want to go right, I mean, you've got the best tour guide. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm running out of California. victims, so if anybody wants <laughs> <laughs> If you want to go for a ride, just send a self-addressed yeah. <laughs> with yeah. your name. And just send yeah. a $100 bill. Let's with go. your CalStar application. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's right. mandatory. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. I think we're ready to get out of here. This is Eliza. Bagel. Orlando. Emmett Darling. Brock. Nicky Jim. Tony. Jocelyn. Isaac. This is Knock. This is Knock. (laughs) (laughs) This is Knock. (laughs) Will the real Knock please stand up? (laughs) Henry. Aloha. All right, we're out of here.